Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Do you know what? I'm... This this isn't right. What's not right? This is not right. I shouldn't. Be... No, if I... no, this. I, I can I just make an apology for that intro? And let yeah, say... of course you can. Let me say what I should way. say. Bonjour et bienvenue sur le podcast <laughs> de rugby Egg Chasers. Mon nom est Tim. Ici avec mes amis Philippe. Bonsoir Tim. Et JB. Hello. <laughs> uh, Salut, JB. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I sorry because I I just thought if if I can't be bothered to make an effort to to learn and speak French for <laughs> for our French egg chasers listeners, then what really I shouldn't be doing a podcast. No, I mean, are you training to be an international referee, Tim? <laughs> Funny you should say that, JB. <laughs> of course. No, I do like it whenever there's a French game. Uh, a referee gets. I'll tell you what it was. Luke Pierce was getting uh, applauded for his command of French as if French players would have no idea what he was talking about if he said <laughs> advantage instead of avantage. Avantage! <laughs> and, and no one ever calls for referees to speak Georgian. To, well, be, to be fair, a lot of the Japanese, Irish, yeah, the Irish players did look confused at avantage. They couldn't, they couldn't work it out. <laughs> right, well, this is the Six Nations podcast we're going to be getting into. Uh, we will do another podcast about domestic matters, and there's plenty to talk about from the world of rugby. Um, but firstly... Uh, we're, we're growing our audience um, person by person, um, but we're growing our own audience as well. Uh, Philip has added to our total. Congratulations, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel like I didn't do very much at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much totally useless on uh, D-Day, um, but we have little Hannah Largan has joined us this week, which uh, is delightful. And in true Largan form, Hannah Largan, no middle name. No middle name. Hannah, really? Hannah Non Largan. There we go. <laughs> uh, like Jack Non Reacher, of Ex- course. Exactly. And it's very unrugby that. You know, you need it, to have at least three. It is. Um, to, I need, need to be Toby Flood, who's got about six or seven middle names, hasn't he? Yeah, but aren't they all like doffs of the cap to um, relatives? And it sounds like he's very well bred, like uh, colonels from wars and you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Phil's already on the case. Yes, Tobias Gerald Albert Cecil Laven Flood. So, so six, four middle names, just the six names. There we go. Can can if you know of a rugby player with more than four middle names, (laughs) can you let us know? Let's see. Is Toby Flood the the most named rugby player? It sounds like it. Definitely, it definitely does sound like it. 
Uh, what a great weekend of rugby. Can I just say that the Six Nations this weekend has been an absolute joy to watch. Some cracking games. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. In fact, I enjoyed the whole weekend's worth of rugby. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, I, I've, I really enjoyed all the games, actually, um, for, for very different reasons. Um, Scotland-Wales was, was oh. a real battle. It was a, a brilliant Six Nations game, I thought. Um, Scotland fans might disagree with that, but as a neutral watching that, I thought it was a great spectacle. Ireland-France for the magic of France and for Ireland just somehow sticking in there and giving themselves a shot with, well, 81 minutes on the clock, they still had a shot to win it. And England-Italy for um, different reasons again, but an interesting watch. I'm sure we'll go into more detail on all of those throughout the pod. Yeah, for sure. Um, You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Rugby Podcast. JB's at JB. More I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking and he'll uh, he'll get in contact with you, sliding into your DMs. (laughs) Uh, We have a little competition running a prediction league on MatchPint where you download the app, uh, you go to the Six Nations predictor, and uh, uh, you make your predictions. We are giving away Negronis, of course. Of course we are. Uh, to the people that come up with the best uh, results of the week. And I, I had them ready to go and I've just lost them because we have uh, <laughs> two more Welshmen have won, uh, have won this week. Well, I can tell you who they are if you, if, if you want to know. I can tell oh, you one then, of them. The weekly winners. Tom Phillips. Welshman Tom Phillips. Yeah. The lucky, uh, the lucky winner of this week's disgusting Negroni. And we've got another one. Who is the other one? And we'll find out the other one later. There you go. So Tom Phillips, get in touch with us and you'll get a Negroni in the post. It is Gareth Evans is the other for this week. Goodness mm. me. There you go. Another, so, another Welsh fan. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, out, of the, out of the however many we have overall, of what, it's like 700 odd. Uh, I, I, I'm currently in 52nd position. You've had a good week. Very good. And uh, and Phil, you're in 265th. Yes. Not so <laughs> not, not so good. Yeah. Um, I, d- I didn't predict either of the Welsh wins. Terrible. Um, and I, I sadly didn't predict. Um, I've, I got both of Scotland's predictions wrong as well because I predicted them to win this week and lose last week. Uh, so I'm not doing particularly well. Yeah. Uh, but get in touch with us there, and, uh, and we'll get into the other stuff we've got going on. But let's get let's get into some of this rugby things. It was so good. I think that Scotland Wales game was the most captivating of the weekend. Um. Oh, I don't, yes, it was. Look, it was a great game. But I'm going to kick off with something a little bit controversial, which is I. you can be happy with wins, okay? But don't mistake winning for a good team. I still am not convinced at all on, the, on, on this You Wales should team. be happy with wins. And if, if, history, if history has told us one thing, it's that any win in the Six Nations, except for a win against Italy, should be prized <laughs> massively. So, so let me ask you a question then, because yeah, sure. last week I, I made two statements. I said um, there was two areas that I thought Wales were improving on, certainly from their previous year, the 2020 showing of Wales, and that was their defence and their handling. Mm. Uh, and I think that was not only an improvement, certainly on the, the handling side, not only an improvement from last year, actually arguably an improvement from most of Gatland's tenure with um, George North and Lee Halfpenny combining last week. Uh, this week it was well anyone basically to give the ball to Louis Rees-Zammet, um out wide. God, and you, you, God, Zamet. You, you, you disagreed. Good, yeah, you disagreed with both of those points last week. Are you softening on either of them? Do you think the handling? Are you impressed with any of the handling? Do, do you I like any of the defence? I'm kind of neutral. I, I honestly think that these wins. <laughs> You're always neutral. I think that these wins are papering over the cracks. Uh, unless, just, just on those two points. 
Do you, do you think? Do you, would you agree that, that uh, well, handling, there was some improvement no, no, in handling? Actually, um, I do agree that the handling was better. I mean, it's fine. The handling was fine. It was good. It was good handling. <laughs> they're, but they're, they're professional rugby players. It should be good handling. I mean, you know, if they can't handle a ball, um, well, maybe they shouldn't be, be doing the doing the job that they're in. Well, uh, t- tell uh, that tell that to because on that exact point, tell that to Gatlin's. Wales team in 2015 when they couldn't pass the ball around a 13-man Australia team. Yes. Australia had two men in the bin and they, with George North at 13 in that game, so mm. the same as last week, they literally could not get the ball around them. Yeah, I would be very cautious before putting that on the Pivac uh, uh, revolution. As for defence, that's slightly different, isn't it? Because that is... Well, it can be, it can be looked at from a statistical point of view. And the Welsh defence, in fairness... Has got some pretty decent statistics, but, but behind it, uh, particularly for, t- for two games in. But of course, that's all contingent on who you're playing. And for the last two games, they've been they've managed to face opponents with 14 men for a large portion of it. Yeah. Well, firstly, I would say, how Gatland is it to be pretty shocking in the autumn internationals and actually looking quite good in the Six Nations? That was Gatland's whole it was time in charge. So on that should fill me with a little bit of confidence if I was a Welsh if I was a Welshman. I would be thinking, this feels familiar. And also I I, I agree with Phil, the, the defence over the last two games has been excellent. And and also I think it's it's far too easy and a lot of people have tri- have done it that I've seen talking on Twitter and stuff. A lot of people have just pointed to the red card and said, oh, Wales wouldn't have won without that red card. I would just point out that when there was 15 on both sides, Wales clawed back from 17-3 down to 17-15 with 15 men on the pitch. Um, and Scotland should have put the, the game to bed and and failed to. I actually I actually think there's, a, there's an argument that the, the, the red card had a negligible effect. Well, we'd need, to know the, we'd need to know the counterfactual, and we'll never know that. Um, so, you know, uh, maybe the red card is good in this respect, and the wins are good in this respect, which is it does take time to develop a team, and Pivak deserves as much time as anyone else. And his task is monumental, because Gatland is an all-time great. So he's got to replace a great. And, you know, we've seen it from different sports where this has failed. United and David Moyes, for instance. It's a very hard job being the next guy. So it could be the case that these two games, which I do think are papering over the cracks, just buys him enough time to establish what he needs mm. to do. And from that point, it is positive. But if it is simply just papering over the cracks and then they collapse against England uh, well, next round of games... I think there will be some recriminations. But before Phil comes in, can I just say one more thing? This is a list of players unavailable to Wayne Pivak. Dan Lydiot, Thomas Williams, Scott Williams, Corey Hill, uh, George North, Aaron Shingler, Josh Adams, uh, Ross Moriarty, uh, Jonathan Davis, Ellis Jenkins, Gareth Ainscombe, Johnny Williams, Rob Evans, uh, Reese Patchell, there's some I've missed as well, uh, James Davis as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you, you've got a whole team's worth of players, a good Good quality players, unavailable to o- him. Owen Williams, not yeah, available. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I think there's reasons. Well, for no other reason than you've you've been Scotland and Ireland. It's good. It's good. Uh, I put very little. Um, I, I pay le- very little attention to lists of players not available uh, because uh, everyone has players unavailable almost all the time. You know, and unless they are the nailed-on starter. 
I kind of take that with a you know with a pinch of salt. And also, you should be able to to work around it. Systems and processes are more important usually than players. That said, I think play- Wales have got say five key players. And if one of those were to go, if those five were to go down, we could, we could have a really good conversation. But yeah, it it's a reason to be happy. But I again don't put too much weight on that. You are you're more positive than last week, and I'm I'm not. Believe me, I'm not in a Wales are um, destined Six Nations champions elect and all the rest of it. I, I think this Wales team is. It, it seems solid. I like their improvements in some stuff. The, the handle in particular, the, the defence Wales have always, for the last 10 plus mm. years, Wales have always had a solid defence. You've still got a lot of the per- same personnel. I wouldn't expect those structures to fall apart. The handling has impressed me um, because if you can feed ball to, well, mainly Lewis Rees-Summit, but Lewis Rees-Summit and Liam Williams are world-class back three players. Give them enough ball. Um, they will be great. So I'm, I'm not, I don't think they're, um, certainly I don't think they're a better team than they were under Gat- Gatland um, but I just don't think it, one should be that negative about them uh, Let me and, ask you a question would you rather be in the situation of Wales or Ireland just as a team if you wanted to play a World Cup final would you rather play it with Ireland's team or Wales's team it's a, it's a good question because one's on the back of two wins yep. one's on the back of two losses um, probably on balance, I'd probably rather be Ireland. Um, I'd much rather take, be Taking everything. Um, and I don't think Ireland have played, played particularly well. Um, well, at all. Actually, the, the best in of the the two weeks of the Six Nations was the 20 minutes after Peter Romani went off. They mm. played some really good rugby in the build-up to that. But in that 20-minute period, particularly the Tyburn try. But overall, they've not done very much at all mm. but I'd, I'd probably still rather be Ireland I would much rather be Ireland on balance I but, think they are still a, and this is why you can't let the results necessarily colour your opinion of the entire team and in the same way I'd still rather be rather be Scotland even though they've, even though they've just lost I, I would of those three I would definitely rather be Scotland actually yeah because I, 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 I love this Scotland team I, I think they're, they're they're so talented. They're so hardworking. They've got such a good, um, I don't know, team team structure and team bond. The the way that Stuart Hogg has taken the mantle of captain. He's always learning. He, he's very much learning. Always learning. It, 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 it's, it's definitely the most impressive thing about him is it, his ability to learn. He's, he will definitely learn a few things from this game. <laughs> safe, safe to say. What? Um, but I, I just I love the way that that team is kind of it's. It's not in. It's not built around the way that he plays, but it's built around his mentality. He is so, so passionate and so driven, and it, that seems to lift the whole team. Mm. I, he's I also really... too important. That's the other thing. Which uh, so the negative is, how do you replace him if he <laughs> well, goes down? He he is, and this is something I was a little bit worried about. If I was thinking about not not just for um, for Scotland actually, because. I'm not a Scotland fan, even though I like the way the, t- the team's going. I was thinking for the Lions, yeah, because he is—he w- should be—he um, should be the starting fifteen, a hundred percent. He's actually arguably even playing himself into contention for Lions captain. That's an interesting one, isn't which, it? Which does seem a bit. Oh, that me- is a shout. It does. If you'd have told me that a couple of years ago, if you said I was going to say that, I would have thought you were mental. But he's—he's he's, he's been absolutely brilliant and he is streets mm. ahead he is miles ahead of any other 15 any other person who's playing 15 for the home nations in yeah. the six nations you're right yeah i could agree with everything you just, just so said. If, yeah. if he if he goes down for both scotland 
Uh, Exeter would cause a problem. Scotland would cause a problem. The Lions, I think it would actually cause a problem, even though we don't know who's on the on the tour. Yeah, the only team it doesn't cause a problem for is Exeter, I would argue, because they need them for two games a year. They're Premiership <laughs> final, they're European <laughs> Cup final. Other than that, they're not that bothered. And also, it. JB wants Josh Hodge to play more in the fancy What's rugby. What a legend. Fantasy <laughs> rugby <laughs> by the way. Uh, uh, what about Scotland's uh, absolute psychotic tendency to turn down three points? Yeah. What on earth? What are they playing at? So It's so, a trendy thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm... Hog is learning from Exeter. Yeah, he's been down at Exeter too long. Of you can do that You can do that is. in the Premiership, but this Thank is, Exeter this can is do it international in, yeah. rugby. Exeter can do it. But he, he, he didn't get away with it in the first half and in the run-up to the um, Wales coming back um, to whatever it was, 15-17 at one stage... Um, he did get away with it in the second half when there were a man down and he repeated, he turned down three or four oh. kickable penalties, but he then salvaged it and scores the try. Yeah. And you, you think at that stage, that try puts him in the lead. I can also, You've eroded I can, 10 minutes on yeah, the clock. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, can def- I, can, I could defend that yeah. even if they hadn't scored the try because you get the three points, fine, but then territorially yes. you lose 80 metres. Yeah. They're going to pin you in your corner. And when you when you're down, men, that's that's tough. So actually, staying in the other half of the field to try and eke out as much of the clock yeah. when you're a man down. Yeah, oh. I just thought like this is a trendy thing to do at the moment because Exeter do it, and I can't remember who said this to me, uh, but I do like the saying, which is competitive advantages are competitive advantages because they're hard. You know, if you can see something and you can just repeat it, then it's not a competitive advantage, is it? Yeah. So the fact that Exeter Chiefs can get the ball, tap and go, and score tries just by tapping and going. It's bloody hard. There's a reason that no one else does it. And now they've conned everybody, including Scotland, to follow their lead. They have an, a competitive advantage. You're, you are making everybody else play your game, including the international teams. And it, it, it is a problem for Scotland because Exeter can do it because they are mostly physically dominant compared to their opposition. Even in the European semi-final and finals, when they were playing Toulouse and Racing 92, mm. they still had a physical advantage uh, and over the 80 minutes a significant physical advantage up front and they back themselves to be fitter than everyone else so you, you take those two things because i don't think scotland i think they they were more dominant against england last week but i don't think they necessarily have a physical or fitness advantage over most international teams yeah. so you're eliminating the reason why exeter have that advantage and why they do those things so do, do you know what it reminds me of yeah it reminds me of the breakdown because the breakdown goes in these phases right where people jackal and then people get wise to the jackal so they defend the jackal and then all of a sudden teams stop jackling and they start contesting the breakdown by driving over and then when they start driving over you'll find that the sevens slowly start to jackal again and then that comes back in back, back into play and then they all start to jackal again and then the cycle goes round so you get a load of jackling then you get a load of contesting the breakdown and load, and it always it's been going like this for twenty years, right? It's, it's a bit like big wingers as well. Yeah, there's there's, there's another great one. Big, big wingers, um, you put too many people who are big wingers out on the wings, and then all of a sudden, guys like Cheslin Colby and Villiers and all the rest of the the nippy uh, Jordan Lama become amazing because they've got loads of time and space because they're against someone who's six foot four and eighteen stone. Yes, and then you get loads of Cheslin Colby. You think, do you know what would be great against a Cheslin Colby? Matt Banahan. Exactly. Right, so, or Julian Surveyor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is the same thing. The game is absolutely itching for someone to say, we're just going to kick it and, and keep the scoreboard ticking over. We're going to stay in the fight continuously. And when they do, they're going to win a lot of games. I'm sure of it. 
And the the one the other thing about the the extra tactic, um, which Scotland do have this string to the bow, is as Baxter Baxter said when you interviewed him, JB, um, you can defend the one out pick and go and the rolling mall and all the rest of it from Exeter, but to do so, Exeter back themselves that you have to put so many players in such a small space and that they will score out wide with O'Flaherty or Hogg or Witten mm-hmm. or Cuthbert or Woodburn or whoever's playing out there. Scotland have got that string to the bow because they've got an amazing back three and they've got Finn Russell who can ex- exploit the space, but they haven't necessarily got the platform. They, they're not. You don't have to put 10 men against eight to stop Scotland's pack. So there's no space out wide. You just put Sometimes eight. you just put five men. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Well, here's another thing which Scotland did uh, in response to the red card, which is at odds, actually, with what Ireland did last week. It ended up being the same result, a Wales victory. But Scotland dropped a winger to bring a prop on. Mm. Yeah, and that was interesting. I, and, I, and I can't help thinking, we, we talked about it last week um, when Phil was talking about uh, teams being down to 14 men and when it's a, when it's a forward pack... Actually, you can distribute the workload of an eight across seven people, and you know you may get found out occasionally. But broadly speaking, you can just everyone up their work rate a little bit mm-hmm. and cover for that person, especially you, for fifteen minutes. Especially for fifteen minutes, it's a lot harder to cover for a winger. And then you look at—I'm not saying it was the cause, but you look at Lewis Rees Zamet uh, having a bit more space. You, you, I, I kind of wonder whether that was an error. And actually, if if you if you, if uh, you have to bring a front row on. After a red card, would it be better to drop a flanker than a than a winger? Yeah, does that make a difference, actually? I'm just trying to think that through. If you have a front row off, you then have to take off... Yeah, yeah. So they, drop the, yeah. Player. so they had to make the decision, they, whether they take off yeah. the flanker or the winger. Or the winger, yeah. Devastating, isn't it, if you're that flanker or that you're that winger? Yeah, and Darcy Graham was great. Who, who got mm. who got taken off? Small winger will soon be uh, run over by Matt, Han- uh, Matt <laughs> Banahan. And, and, and also talk about the... the the profile of Scotland's pack, yes, you might have had to. You could chuck in Duan van der Merwe on, on on the odd scrum, and it, and he'll do fine. I'm he sure he's. I'm sure he's done that at some him, point. Him in his or, career. or Chris Harris, or Chris Harris. Yeah, bloody hell, I love yeah, Chris Harris. Either either one of those two would be great. And those two look so similar as well. They do. Yeah, they're similar. They've, they've got Duan is slightly broader. Ivan, Ivan Drago vibes on the pair of them. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely love everything about Chris Harris. I mean, but, he's sorry. Can I just uh, wax lyrical about Chris Harris? Five sure. <laughs> yeah, like just. He hits hard, he runs hard. He runs like 80% of the speed of a uh, international 13, but it doesn't matter because he runs over people. I just I just l- love the sort of workman-like hard mentality that he brings to everything. And it doesn't matter if he's playing 13 or even on the wing like he did in the World Cup. Like yeah. He had one game in the World Cup, which people seem to have forgot where he was head and shoulders the best Scottish player. Like if Hogg goes down for what, whatever reason... I think he's a, a candidate for captain. He just is an absolute leader. But he can play 15 as well. Can he? Uh, well, is it, I, I've played against him when he was playing 15 for Tyndale. Really? How old is he? Uh, this was probably about 2013. He was in Newcastle Academy. Crikey. I'd say about that. So, yeah, 2012, 20, so, 2013. How old is he now? 20, 30 maybe. Didn't realise he, he was that old. And where's where's he from? Yorkshire. He's, he's, I think he's um, Cumbrian. Yeah. I, I think he's Cumbrian. I've got to but, oh, Cumbrian, okay. actually. But um, he, he was, as far as I'm aware, always um, Newcastle, and then played for Tyndale. Tell you what, Scotland do all right times. out of Cumbria, don't they? If they've got Harris and Gary Graham from there. Uh, he is thirty. He turned turned thirty. Gary, Gary Graham didn't have his best day at the over office. Christmas. He didn't, but he's cool to have about. Yeah. L- he, 
Yeah. Good, good guy, but he didn't have a great game. But anyway, I don't want to single out players. But, but the general point was, actually, I think Gregor Townsend, it's easy, you know, it's easy to say after the fact, but we did mention it last week, and I think you're much more exposed taking a winger off the field than taking a flanker off the field. And yeah, I, it, I guess it just depends what you want to do. Everyone will have a different system and a different strategy for approaching it. I would love a bit more probing as to what well, Gregor Townsend intended, really. A, a Wales team with Liam Williams and Lewis rees I, I would, I, I would be wanting to... But, you know, do Lewis rees and Liam Williams get even more space if Wales start dominating the game line? That's That would be my argument. I mean, it's one thing to fan out wide, but if you are continuously cr- crossing the game line, you've got to suck more people into your defence. But, but, but I as, don't know. But really. as I said, I, I think seven men up in their work rate can cover for the eighth man they're missing. They, for, uh, for, yeah, for 15 minutes. Yeah, I'll say something which I noticed in this game, and it's not that remarkable, but I'll share it uh, 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 anyway. What does it say about international rugby that the difference between the Scottish pack and the Welsh pack was 15 kilograms? That's like the weight loss of one person, one average man. <laughs> and like, I noticed this across the board this week. The pack weights are getting so similar. I wonder if they're getting as big as they can be. Well, I don't know what it is, but isn't it remarkable across eight men, they're pretty much exactly the same weights? Well, the pack weights that I've noticed over the past two weeks have been England against, obviously, Scotland and Italy. And both on both occasions, England were about 30 kilos heavier, mm. give or take, which is actually all you have to do to negate that 30 kg is just take Billy Vanapola off and replace him with Ben Earl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that, right. that that it is the the it is just the weight loss of one one man. There's, there's a lot of people suggesting that that's uh, what you should do, but not just to equalise the weights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they should weigh the pack before they go on the field. Like genuinely, like why couldn't they just get like a weigh bridge? Yeah, no. as they line up, I think that'd be a really interesting feature, and it costs next to nothing. Well, it costs something, right? It costs, yeah, it costs something, but it can, it, it'd be easily done. Yeah, to bring a weigh, weigh bridge in, presumably it's just like so so. 900 kilos, which is what international packs are, that's a small car. So, like, your car is probably not far off 900 kilos. Yeah, probably. Probably maybe maybe 100 kilos heavier. Hang on, what is... Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no but I, I, love the, I love equating it to stuff. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Put a pin in that, and let me just say, next week in the fallow week for the Six Nations, we have got... There's, there's a lot of people that point out problems in rugby. Uh, there's a lot of people that think there's easy solutions. There's no one putting a, a joint, fully thought through proposal of how rugby could and arguably should be until we do it. Exactly right. And we will do it and you wait. So many of the things we suggest will end up coming to fruition. So listen out for next weekend when we will be doing a... I oh, know we could call it a state of the union. Ooh, yeah, nice. Uh, nice. I, I like to think of it as naughty step two point oh. Naughty step two point oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, just on your thing about uh, equating things to other things, right? Yeah. Like you know, uh, the the eight equating a uh, five nine five a both that kind of thing, right? Yeah. I, I read one today. This is the weirdest equate um, equating, if that's a word, that I have seen. I was reading uh, the website Popular Mechanics today. <laughs> of course, and obviously. I was reading up about the C5 Galaxy, which is the biggest cargo plane that the US uh, Air Force has. And do you know what they equated it to? Or do you know what they said? Do you know how they... A blue whale? You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Something big. That's Yeah, that's a good show. Blue whale would be a, 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 it'd be understandable, at least. Did they equate it to something really small, but lots of them? Yeah. So like, so, like, 
A ping pong ping pong ball. It can hold to like 28,000 ping pong balls. I have no idea of that. <laughs> Why? What? I don't know if that would fit in my, my lounge. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. How many would fit in this room? I've got no idea. Uh, I mean, 10, less than 28,000. Yeah, 10,000? Uh, no. 5,000? Dunno. 1,000? Hey, if you want to donate ping pong balls to the rugby dungeon, let's find out how many, how many can get in here. <laughs> um, your your uh, 595 of a bath is 1,035 kg, which is uh, so about 100... It's like a South African pack. Well, yeah, it's 100 kg heavier than the England pack, um, but about the same as the heaviest ever Toulouse pack that was put out, which I think mm. was... Just over a thousand kilos. Delicious. Yeah, a little weighbridge before they came out because we all speculate on players' weights, don't we? And they're they're so inaccurate. You can look in three different places and you get three different weights. Yeah, I've seen four different heights for Henry Slade. <laughs> He's either six foot or six foot four. I don't know. <laughs> That'll be a new thing when you know, when we do post match interviews. We'll go right. Come here, back to back. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. <laughs> or, or, or on the board that's in the background. This should just be a, a centimeter rule. So we can just, actually just see it. would just it. be really cool. Like, do you know as they announce the teams and they, they just walk up and flash up their weight before kickoff? I think that'd be a really smart thing. Yeah. Or, or and, just something, and, something for the commentators to pepper through the show, stuff like that. would be cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and your idea, Tim, of, of which we spoke about loads in the past, about having um, a combine so we know the 40-yard dash or oh. whatever it is. Max lift. Yeah. What, what Ma- dictates, max deadlift. What dictates how fit you are? What, what does VO2 max do? So VO2 max is how much oxygen you can utilise, basically. Per per litre per minute. Ah. Yeah, so it's a consistent measurement. So a good VO2 max will correlate with high endurance performance. It'll correlate, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, does it? No. And pe- so so if you're... If, if Lazy. You're, yeah, if you're more efficient, or, for example, if you're a cyclist who has got an amazing VO2 max, but you weigh 25 stone you will find it much harder than a cyclist with a lower VO2 max who weighs 10 stone. I bet there's some clever sports scientist out there which has come out with an equation for this. I, I imagine uh, Ross Tucker will have done a lot of stuff on that. And I'm sure the last thing he wants is me in his inbox saying, uh, Ross, can you give me the equation? <laughs> and, and plus, VO2 max is a measure of a, not a steady state because you're, you, you're, the whole point is you're getting to failure. Mm. But you're, uh, it, it's a measure of... A con- like you're, you're running continuously at a it, more a greater increasing speed to get a maximum That's figure, whereas rugby doing. stop, start, up, down. Yeah. I'm just thinking of stats that we should put up. V- VO2 max would be an interesting one. VO2 max, and v- VO2 max would only come into play when you're on like, you know when you get the phase counter and you're on like phase 18, yeah. phase 19. That's when VO2 max would start to get important. But just in normal play, like Lewis Rees Summit's tries, VO2 max would be irrelevant for, for, for all of those because it's you, just you'd have to be pure for quite some time. anaerobic speed work. That was that was some try as well. He's arrived, doesn't he, on the big stage? Yeah, yeah. He's not bad. He, he's not he's bad so so good. Gloucester have got some absolute Rolls Royce wingers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> just a shame, shame about everything else. It's the sp- the um, obviously his speed's incredible, but. The, the cadence of his feet when he begins running is it looks like he's it looks like one of those old black and white films where everything's in, 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 in like sped up. Well, I mean, did you see him a few weeks ago when he was chasing a kick and overtaking Johnny May? I mean, Johnny yeah. May, I, I know Johnny May isn't the fastest of wingers, but you know, <laughs> he's pretty rapid, he's pretty quick. 
Yeah, Johnny May for a long time has been the fastest man in, in the England camp. Oh, he's well, easily the fastest it's, man. It's going to be yeah, Johnny so. May wearing 11, Lewis Reece Summit wearing 14. They're going to be head to head. Hopefully, Ollie Thorley maybe in the England team as well. And then, uh, and then yeah, I just three lost the um, wingers. I mean, you can obviously play two guys that talented. I mean, this isn't a really an, an international chat, but I, I, let's just let's just indulge me anyway. Can you really play those two on the same field? I mean, I guess you can for the Premiership. <laughs> but it doesn't really work, does it? You need one absolute gas man and then an Ollie Thorley. Ollie Thorley's the guy that stays on. And then it's a, to- a coin toss between the other two, right? I'd like to see one of those one of those three. Probably Thorley move to fullback. Maybe, maybe re-summit. He has played there has, a few yeah, times for Gloucester. He has. And, and actually... And Jason Woodward's not exactly a bad um, outside got, back as well. No, he's got a lot of X factor. And also the thing with... Um, Johnny May is he's all he has played fullback for Leicester Tigers. Maybe you don't mention that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on from that. Yes, good idea. So on the red card, I, th- I think Wayne Pivak might have uncovered the, the secret of rugby. Something we've sort of talked about a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just get, just pick players with the biggest heads possible. <laughs> I, he's not wrong. It's a good tactic. I mean, so the the two the two red cards are slightly different. Uh, and I'm not I'm not talking about the force, albeit the force was slightly different in each of them. Mm. I'm more talking about the position of the players. So in my mind, and I, I've got a bit more sympathy with Ferguson because of this. So the the um, Peter Omani challenge on Thomas Francis was so unnecessary because Thomas Francis was basically lying on the wrong side, trying to get out of the way. If if Peter Omani does nothing, either Francis gets out of the way, the ball's available. Or Francis is lying on the ball and it's a penalty to Ireland. So best, the worst case scenario before Peter Romani did that was um, Ireland ball. Slow best ball. best case scenario is an Ireland penalty. Yeah. It was slightly different in this scenario because Wynne Jones had better purchase. He's actually competing for the ball and, and looking to disrupt the ball. So therefore I've got a bit more sympathy with um, Ferguson for having to do something but he still goes in and he tucks his arm uh, and ends up making contact with the head. Mm. So I think for consistency, probably the right decision was made, but I've got a bit more sympathy with, with Ferguson. Yeah, uh, you know, we didn't talk about the red card la- uh, last week on Omani. No. Because I had a think about this, and it's not as clear-cut. Well, it is clear-cut. Shoulder, head, red card. I mean, that's all we need to know, really. But Pr- pretty, pretty much, yeah. An interesting one on this is... The way you're taught to ruck, well, a way you're taught to ruck, not the way, but a way, is your player is on the floor and he's presenting the ball. You come over and you grab the player's shirt and you don't use him as support, but you grab him. So say if you are cleared out as a supporting player, you drag the player back with you. This so is you're like, grabbing your own man. Yeah, you're grabbing your own man. It's kind of like a rudimentary anchor. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. It's very. It, it becomes much you, harder you, to clear you off that guy. Yeah. Right? Now that that I would suggest is an illegal form of rooking because you're, the the man on the floor is out of the game according to the laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to bind onto someone else who is in the rook. So you have That's to make a conscious effort to bind. So you could only realistically do it with one hand once you've already bound onto either your own teammate or the opposition. But what if there's no one that? Yeah, okay. Then it's not a ruck. Let's not, let's not get too deep into this. Okay. This is exactly what I would do. I would approach a ruck, 
I would look at the ball, I would go over the ruck, and then I would bind onto the player on the floor to make sure if I got cleared out, I'm taking the guy with me, and the guy who's coming with me has got, has got his the hands ball. on the ball, so yeah. the ball goes back naturally. It's not holding on. And as far as I know, no one's ever been pinged for that. So that's what I'm going to continue to do. And if you would kindly keep those thoughts to yourself, <laughs> that would be great. Now, Peter Ramoni's done this, which means that should he want to engage another player, he can't wrap his arms anyway because they are they are glued on to the player on the ground. So when Jones comes over and he basically rocks forward and hits him with his shoulders, and I'm thinking, Christ, what a, what a stupid idea. The whole point is that you're not meant to be going forward or engaging the player. In fact, you're defensively positioned and braced. So if he hits you, you go backwards. But the, the expectation to, for him to release his own player, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Can, can we uh, get back onto the the red card? Oh, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, 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 that's cool. That's cool. Um, this, this, right, so yes, it's a red card because it's shoulder onto head. I, um, if you tie this in with the, how am I? How do I put this? You can almost tie this in with the Jack, the, the the incident that happened with the injury to Jack Willis, which is really sad. In that, yeah. I don't know. I, so Max Lahif's one of my favourite new followers mm. on Twitter. He's good. Isn't He's he? good. He's really good fun. So he writes things like, what did he write? He was he was watching this Scotland Wales game, um, Wales Scotland game. Scotland Wales game, and he said, uh, "Duan is a horrible biltong munching juggernaut. Excels at physical emasculation of other accomplished athletes." Um, and then he said of Gary Graham, "I reckon Gary Graham does weird stuff for fun. The sort of bloke who moisturises with crushed glass gets his do- <laughs> gets his dopamine off attrition." So he's very funny. And but he his take on the breakdown, he said, "If you jackal, you're flirting with the reaper's scythe." Injury-wise, I think you might have written mm. this after the Jack Willis. Yeah, that's why it's such a heroic skill. No way you'll get. No way you're getting around making it "quote unquote" safe. Absolutely you, not. You're bent over, focused on the ball, and some savages are en route to decapitate your ass. Make peace with it, or get rid of it. He's right. Uh, Guy Thompson gave him applause and said, "Got to agree with this." Uh, um, so I guess, I guess the point with this one is, yes, I'm, I'm okay with it being a red card. It was a red card, shoulder on head. But we have we've spent years um, teaching people to to hit like that, and we were coached to go as hard as possible into the breakdown to smash the opposition back. Mm. All legitimate targets, you know. You just clean clean the clean the crap out of them, and um, and you, yeah, you get the red cards. But I, I guess linking this to the Jack Willis one, it's then well, okay, well if if that's not okay, and you and you go, you're risking a red card, so find another way to get the player off. Well, mm. the, the way that <clears throat> Negri did it on Jack Willis is is what people try and do to avoid getting a red card like the one that um, I can't remember the the hooker. Oh, I've forgotten the prop's name. The uh, red card. Uh, Ferguson. Xander. Xander Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about this one as well is he's got his mate already engaged. So should there's there's no room for him to wrap his arm. If he wraps his arm, he wraps it around his mate, and that probably would have saved him a red card actually. That, you know, it's that simple. It would yeah. save him a red card. The, the window of space he's got to work with is probably big enough he could get lower. But should he go lower, he probably comes off his feet. Yeah. yeah. So, and you collapse. It, rock and hard place. It, it definitely. I, I'm not saying I've got a solution to this. Um, but I, what I do want to see is, is, I think, better officiating of the breakdown. And that the red card is one thing where the laws are being strictly applied. But if we go back to the Jack Willis one, which is, like you said, 
it is a it's a horrific looking injury. Um, there's some news this evening coming out that he's not. Um, it's not an ACL. It's not ACL, yeah. but what it's it? it's significant knee damage. So we we don't know. He'll be out for quite a long time. Um, not being an ACL is good, but and it might be multiple damage. things. Yeah, yeah. but but the um, that is not being officiated that the the rule because that that was it, it, yeah the commentators got this wrong didn't they well, the, so the, Uka, the, Uka, when, Uka you was, look, when you look at it, it it wasn't actually the role that injured him it, it was, was Negri it was Negri's body landing on his leg it yeah. was it was 18 19 stone of Negri landing on his leg well so, so that that is which yeah. is which is in the process of the role but not yeah. not, not every role has a body landing on the no, leg ve- yeah very true isn't there a rotational force you're not allowed to apply no, it's the. Well, have I made that up? Is that a rule that we made up? I think I think that was. It's definitely a JBism. You were talking about talk and that kind of stuff a while ago. Yeah, because you have to come in and you know, so you can roll but, a player. I don't. I don't well, think you, you can use any rotational force in, in Iraq, no. As far as I'm aware, rotational force doesn't come into the law book. The the bit is you you have to stay on your feet. You are not allowed to go off your feet at a rook. Yeah. So if you are what as kind of Negri was doing trying to get him off by throwing his own body weight on the floor and trying to bring Willis down with him, that is an illegal clear-out. Now, it was very interesting in this game that neither the, the fourth official, um, Joe Neville, who was very insistent that we needed five, six-plus replays of Owen Farrell um, having, yeah. a, having a chest-to-chest on yeah. Stephen Varney, but not on this incident, which yeah, I thought was knows, weird. She knows Farrell is evil. Well, when, when, when there was a past, a past well, history of thuggery, yeah, when there was a <laughs> when there was a massive stop down anyway, yeah, like yeah you, didn't, was, you didn't have to stop the game ten minutes. to check it. Yeah, ten minutes. There was ten minutes of of poor Willis been suffering, um, so I was, I was very surprised that he didn't get looked at from that angle. And then I was equally surprised, and I think Ben Kay corrected him, but Hugo Monu was saying that well, you need a, a law amendment. Was was his exact words. I don't think you need a law amendment. I think you just need. And you said it, JB, when we were WhatsApping. You need a directive, directive yeah, or, or um, some some guidance. They do to up to interpret and apply the laws. Correct. And you you you've had them. There's been a, a dozen or so over the last ten years, like the the um, high tackle framework, which wasn't a change to the laws, but it was directive on how you apply the laws. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it is reminiscent of the Reese Webb injury just before the England, the England World Cup. So Reese Webb was in a ruck against Italy, yeah. actually. Yeah. And he was oh, ruled out. Seen some correlation here. Uh-uh. Maybe they're training for it. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's just a really sad incident, actually. And- so, so, so in in terms of the ruck, so again, again, like I say, I think everyone feels like Xander Fagerson didn't mean to do that, but there was shoulder to head, fine. I think there's a lot of people that, and you know, I think Max Laheef sort of touched on it. We we are never ever going to know how fast paced, how hard it is to hit to hit a little post box sized target <clears throat> in an international game when everyone everything around you is moving. It's not a static skill. Like, yeah, and it's like re- throwing like throwing a dart at a dart. And you're so right, Tim, because like the skill gets more and more defined as we go along, and the problem is this drops down the league. So you can ask super athletes like the Currys to you know hit hit the letterbox, no problem at all. 
try doing that with the Tok H third team. You know, if, the, <laughs> if we're going to get consistent down the leagues, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Because the more technical the ruck comes, the more inaccessible yeah. the game becomes. So uh, that's a danger in itself, actually. Yeah. yeah, and I guess the point is, if you you know, there's been a lot said about the flying in, flying in at the ruck, and there's a, a lot of red cards have been given for that lately. You could imagine, you could imagine the Italian coaches going, "Look, we we can't, we don't want to lose a man." So if you get stuck, if if you are trying to get a guy off a ball, let's try a different technique. And they might, yeah, they may, who knows whether Negri, that's something they've been working on or whatever. But I, I guess the, the one thing you could do to to try and solve it, and the directive maybe you could bring in, is any attempt to try and get the the defender jackling or coming in at the ruck higher. I, I, no, yeah, no, that because again, that, that is that, that's in, that solves so, everything. But that's that's already in the laws, isn't it? Because it's meant to you're be, not yeah. have you're not allowed to have your shoulders lower than your hips. Yeah, supposedly, but, and, yeah, this and has been also a rule for like 15 years at least. Yeah, and also you're not allowed to, which a lot of players do. You're not allowed to bind onto the as you were saying for the um, offensive player. You're not allowed to bind onto any of the players on the ground because they're you're out, not. Are you sure you're, about that? You're definitely not. You're not spotting your own body weight, and the players are out of the game. You can't bind so onto someone who's out of the coach game. Rucking. The first guy binds on. Yeah, the so, second guy binds onto the guy that's bound on. So, so, so an anchor, a guy, and then a guy bound onto the guy on, but that, on the floor. That's a great example of a. So you're not allowed. They are out of the game. You can't bind onto someone who's out of the game. It's never officiated. Oh, actually, I say I tell a lie. It is occasionally officiated. I've never seen it officiated. I, I, there was one. It's happened a few times uh, in the Premiership, actually, where an, a jackler has like hooked an arm under a player, so he's got his weight and eighteen stone under him. So he's got the full force of the player who's um, got the ball, and he's one hand like um, playing with the ball on this side. Yeah. And the ref has said, "No, you're not bound on the board you, ball. You're bound on the player," and penalised the jackler. So it does. It's happened occasionally, but we need... I think a clear directive on that would be better. I'd also be interested to see the, the, the height of the jackler. Yeah. I mean, don't increased. don't get me wrong. I think Max Laheef hit it. It's, it's a heroic skill. But, and, and if it, I, it if, is. And if I was jackling at a professional level, my God, I would want to have my head low to the ground so it wasn't a, it wasn't a target for someone flying yeah. in. I would want to get really low, but I think this is the solution. And if you can get the... The, def- the, fir- the defender trying to jackal higher, they're less likely to hit the head. You give them a big tackle, they might get knocked backwards five yards. They might w- they might jackal the ball a few times less. But I think yeah, if you want to have any indication of how dangerous jackling is, God, it is. Go and look up the <laughs> tutorial on BT Sport with Sam Warburton, and he gives you three examples of how to deal with jackal: ball threats focused. So you know, the, uh, sorry, ball focused, threat focused. And then the one which I couldn't even believe it made TV, actually. Um, so the guy's on the ball, the jackal has got the ball, and you aim for the smaller of the back, or smaller back, between the shoulder blades, with as much force <laughs> as you can. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. I mean, you know, it's one thing if uh, I do it. It's another thing altogether if Tom Curry's doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, it just gives you an idea. Now, here's a thing for you. We all watch rugby we all have many rugby friends many many rugby friends dozens of them in fact i could probably cull a few and not notice right has anyone ever said to you the game's gone soft in a real life conversation no i i've seen it on twitter (laughs) i was starting to wonder if they've made up i wonder 
if somebody somewhere has made up the phrase games gone soft and attributed it to a pe- person that doesn't really exist and every time something happens wrong with a rugby <laughs> in a rugby <laughs> game the game's gone soft brigade and I, they, I don't think they exist I, or I've never met anyone who said it there's half a dozen Russian bots <laughs> yeah. saying the game's gone I'm, soft and, yeah, and, I, then, and then a, a straw man is created by people that want to get some Twitter likes saying the game why, why, how, see, see, the game's not going soft. Yeah. I've not been to Israel Rugby Club for 20 years, and I can tell you, the game's not going soft. Oh, how would you know? Uh, Stick to blogging. No. I, um, I'm sure a significant number of uh, well-followed Twitter handles, rugby Twitter handles, are Russian bots. I'm sure they, <laughs> they, they cannot... The explanation. They cannot be real people, because they just hate the game so much. There are some very, very... There are some people... That spend a lot of their time in rugby. That there are even no. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names or say anything. But there are some people that spend a lot of time and effort. Uh, the game's in, invested game. in rugby who appear to hate the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I hate everything the to do it. Soft brigade. Hate, yeah. Like, is this like an army brigade? Do they meet up? Do they go on marches? <laughs> who, are, who is this brigade that you talk of? Anyway, it's just one of those interesting things. I thought I saw a tweet again saying the game's gone soft brigade. Like, I just realised I don't know anyone who says that. <laughs> no. So it could be a tell. That's all I'm saying. Can, can we just, um, getting back to Scotland-Wales, yeah. can we just talk about that last two minutes? Yes. Because even though Scotland were a man down, they had two clear opportunities to still win this game in the last two minutes. Yeah, what's Ali Price doing? <coughs> Kicking the ball away like the way he did. I'm pretty sure he saw that from Gareth... Um, What's his name? Gareth Davis. Gareth Davis uh, last, week. last week. Yeah, I think there's something going on there with scrum offs. Yeah. Now I was actually a bit frustrated because kind of five minutes earlier than that, I think he um, Scotland were running out of steam on the halfway line. I think he should have pinged, pinged it into the corner then, but at the time he did, it was crazy. But the hog break where Hog gets sniper, he slips and gets sniper, oh, and you're like. You're like, he's going in, he's going in, he breaks he the line. Like he's he's around. Yeah, whoever's there. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's not Lewis Rees Summit, he's going around whoever's there. And Finn Russell does that outrageous offload out of a tackle with two men to the, yeah. to the, to the right wing. To Duan. To Duan, yeah. Duan gets tap tackled, that tap yes. tackle on Duan, because Duan's going to score, and then it's the offload to Hogg. To Hogg, yeah. And Hogg can't take it because it's, it's a kind of man and ball thing. Yeah. But it's just, even with. with the 40 men, and even not taking all their opportunities, they were still right in it to win it at the end. Do you end. know where it might have just sort of fell nicely for Wales, other than the fact that they have the red card? It might have just worked in their favour that last week, Scotland was so much better than England with the tactical kicking. Like, Finn and Hogg really put on a, a masterclass of how you uh, manoeuvre on the field. Scotland didn't kick well this week. They, well, did they, they not kick well? Or Wales f- with Halfpenny and Bigger? And actually, Reece Zamet put in a couple of... I, yeah. I, didn't bigger, not... I didn't think Bigger was great. Or, and I, I actually always great. thought... Um, <laughs> I thought, uh, thought Sheedy looked good when he came on. Yeah, she, Sheedy, Sheedy did well when did he well. came on. But I just think, yeah. like, maybe... I was surprised you know, it was so early that yeah. they got changed if, as well. If you're playing a tactical game or a strategic kicking game, right, and you've got two players that aren't necessarily on there for their electric flair... You might want to consider why they're there, and I think maybe you know if you're going to play a kicking game against half penny and bigger, you need to be absolutely on point. And even if you know they might have even got the better of them, but they didn't get the better of them to the same extent that they got against England. Yeah, yeah they had moments. There was moments where 
Finn, Ali Price, who's kicked well both weeks, um, and Hogg found some grass and found a nice touch, but nowhere near as much as they did in the yeah, England game. True. And, well, and they're playing. Be, you got half Penny and Williams. Yeah, you're playing two Lions fullbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've got to be yeah. honest about it. Uh, half Penny's not there for his electric pace or no, his passing his, ability. His handling. Yeah. The handling, he, it might he's, be non existent. He's there for his Georgian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is a reason that that man has got so many caps and is so well regarded and is a lion. And if it's not for those things, it's for something else. And I think, uh, you know, I think we might have seen it. Yeah. Someone in France wanted to pay him £600,000 a year purely for his, well, presumably his kicking sticks and his defensive <laughs> positioning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, to, to be good at something, eh? Uh, just before we go on to uh, England, Italy or anything else, just... Um, Okay, I'm not naive as to think that there is no relationship between politics and sport. There is. Yeah, and like, and like the moon landings, you're not naive on that, are you? Like, you, you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is. You know, you only have to look at the South Africa World Cup with Francois Pinar and Nelson Mandela, one, one of the greatest examples of mm-hmm. the power rugby can have, and, and, you know, outside of the game and, okay. you know, on, on a wider level. However, can we, can we. Performative mask wearing. Performative mask wearing. Why? Just <laughs> I, 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 okay. It might be an unpopular thing to say, but in years to come, I, I, I think we will look back at the pictures of Lewis Rees Samet and Alan Wynne Jones. You know, Alan Wynne Jones handing the Man of the Match award over to Lewis Rees Samet, both of them wearing masks, and we'll go, what, what, what were they? Why? Why? What? They've just been. They, they've just played on a rugby pitch together. I'm... They're in a bubble that gets tested all the time, and they're putting nobody else in any danger because they're eight miles away from anyone else why are they both wearing masks right there's so many things to dig into here right and and hey hey covid is real (laughs) yes it's dangerous all of that is nothing like that yeah so why is it that it is perfectly no it's very dangerous to celebrate a try in the premiership but it's not so dangerous in the six nations yeah also in the Premiership, incredibly dangerous, as I mentioned before, to celebrate a try, but not dangerous if you're congratulating someone as you're getting substituted. <laughs> I mean, which is it? And from a broadcast point of view, are you wearing the masks? And actually, I do know the answer to this because I spoke to one of the press pe- people and the press people, I won't, I won't name the press person, but they actually did say, you know, it is our responsibility to send a message to the wide, to the wider population, which I think is insane. Do you not think that is so patronising? Oh no, not no, not at all. I get all my moral lessons from the. Uh, from, from, <laughs> if from I didn't, if I didn't watch Alan Wynne Jones doing his post-match interview in a mask, I would just give up. I would, I would not be go able, to rave. I would not. Yeah, exactly. I'd go to a legal rave tonight because I, I would not realise that 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 but, might be a slightly different scenario. But wouldn't a it be more effective? Should Alan Wynn happen to suddenly contract COVID and spread it around, would it not be A, more effective and B, better aesthetically if they just gave him a bloody microphone and interviewed him behind a Perspex, a Perspex panel? That would look better and it would be safer. Yes. Correct. Yeah. The message you're sending is be performative. Okay, fine, we can do that. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe because. And the anthems. What are they doing with the anthems? The. Two metres apart. Standing two metres apart. Are you insane? You have to be insane to think that this this is a good idea. Unless, of course, you are, you know, like we said before, being just nothing but performative. There are things... Measures need to be taken. Measures need to be taken. 100%. If if only so we can enjoy enjoy the sport. And I'm guessing there is an element of demonstrating to the powers that be, look, we are being responsible, and then they go and smash each other. Yeah, we're doing everything we can, except for the 80 minutes. I tell you what I'd rather do... 
take up two minutes of the pre-game build-up to just demonstrate what being in a bubble in an international rugby side not, entails. Not a bad shot, Exactly. That, that's a great idea. Explain that. And yeah. Then, yeah, the and testing then, and, process, and then you've the logistics. Been, you've been performative in a sense, in the same way, but actually you've demonstrated it rather than patronise the audience. Yeah. You've educated people. Yeah. Because seeing the masks, no one learns anything. No. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be up for that. I'd, I'd actually be quite interested to see what uh, what they're going through. Yeah. Well, talking of performative nonsense, uh, Italy pretends to be a rugby team again. This week. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, let's start with Jack Willis because I mean, oh. for that guy to score a try, come on, score a try <sighs> to be playing so well over the last Club couple of country. seasons after having a bad knee injury a, a couple full of years year, ago, a full year out, yeah, with an, AC, with an ACL reconstruction on his other knee. Oh my god, it's a different knee. Different knee. Yeah. It's uh it's so cruel what what's happened to him and yeah, he's yeah. such a talented and player. And he's such a lovely bloke as well. I, I was at the game when he injured it uh, the first time and he was everyone was talking it was at Saracens away and I was working that game and um everyone was talking about Jack Willis going to be going to be selected for the South Africa tour so we were in 2018. He's going to be yeah. picked for the South Africa tour the in the summer and 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 I remember he got injured and just I remember seeing him and his dad having a hug and he was he was just he was like in bits and his dad was because he's like he just went my England dream just gone yeah and, and to, he, to, to work, work that so hard, hard to get back to it to be playing his some of his best rugby yeah. and getting his opportunity which he deserved scoring a try and then a few minutes later that happening yeah. it is. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible to uh, think the about. Only, the only silver lining to this is knee injuries aren't what they were. Uh, you you can have career-ending in- injuries as, what was a fella called? Awesome Wasps? Tom Reese. And the other one? Uh, Tom uh, Reese. Alex Reader. And the other one? Uh, Jones. Jones. Sam Jones. Sam Jones. Sam Jones, right? So you got all well, that, the, that was a fractured leg. That was ankle and broken leg. I was honestly watching Oof. this and I was thinking, I hope that's a broken leg because I didn't want it to be the knee. Yeah, because... Breaks are fixable-ish. Well, they're mechanically simple. At least you've got kind of one moving part. Mm. You've got a bone. You either plate it or you don't plate it, but it heals. Yeah. Uh, with a knee, they're just so complicated because you've got so many um, tendons and ligaments in there, and and cartilage, and like it, it's a, it's so many different parts coming together. Muscles, bones, tendons, everything is in there. It's so complicated. It's awful, and uh, yeah. Well, I just hope he gets well, uh, gets better soon. And the, you know, the yeah. consequences for England might not be that dire, to be to be honest. But it is absolutely critical for wasps. That's why. Yeah, I'd, you know. I'd agree. I'd agree. The, the obviously, it's most critical for Jack Willis and the Willis family. Mm. Then wasps it is significantly critical for England. It had it have been Jack Willis or Mark Wilson on the bench, or they bring in. Uh, Sam Simmons or Ludlam or Underhill when he's back fit. Like it, for England, it is it is less important. I'd still rather see Willis out there because I, I think he's a really and, well, he talented makes sense, guy, doesn't he? Because he has the ability to play a bit of eight, uh, and Curry has a, an ability to play a bit of eight. So you can put seven and eight on their shirts and a big lad at six, and you kind of distribute the carrying between everyone, and it works yeah. really well. So, I l- but, yeah. Well, so assuming that Eddie Jones will bring someone in to replace him, um, who would you bring in? Oh, I don't know his answer. I, no, no, sorry. I know who I bring in, but that doesn't matter what I well, think. Well, no, no, so who would you bring in? 
Well, I'd go Sam Simmons, I think. Okay. Anyone not Would you through... not go John O'Ross? Do you know what? I, I, might, I, might, be, I might consider John O'Ross. <laughs> Who would you go for, Phil? I'd probably bring Simmons in. Um, I, and I wouldn't, because Ludlam is in the um, Shadow, Shadow Squad. squad. Yeah. I'd be half tempted to move Wood, Ludlam up. If I was moving Ludlam up, I wouldn't bring Simmons into the Shadow Squad. Simmons would go Ludlum straight or in Ludlow. on that. Ludlum. Uh, Ludlam. I Lewis really Ludlam. Love, yeah. Northampton. I really like Ludlow. Ludlow is good. Uh, so I think he will bring Ludlam in because he's in the Shadow Squad. However, I would get Alex Dombrandt in as quick as possible. Dombrandt's a great shot, I think Dombrandt might come in anyway. It, it's possible. Eddie, Eddie's... So Eddie tends to be stubborn with players that he likes. Mm. If, if you're on a, um, Eddie's bad side... You don't get many opportunities to see uh, Big Luther Burrell and Abrasive Tamina Harrison. Yep. Uh, and uh, Nick Azikwe. Alex Good, um, guys that kind of got somewhere close. There's been loads of players who got close to the squad and never been seen again. Um, but if if you're on Eddie's good you, side. He likes you. Yeah. And, well, see Ben Youngs, for example. Yeah. I wonder if there's a kind of. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I would describe this, but lads like Owen Farrell don't mess about, do they? They're the very serious, very senior guys. I think even when they're fun, they're quite serious and senior. Yeah, and ultra-professional as well, yeah, and I, all rugby. I can't imagine an argument with Owen Farrell would go particularly well. I wonder if Eddie sort of, not not fears it, but respects it to the sort of degree that that means that you are undroppable. These serious, professional, almost... Um, boring type of characters, or ju- no, they just don't get messed with. Ford but, is another one. Ford is so straight down the line. Do you serious. think so? So I could get that argument, but then uh, do you think that either Ben Youngs or Billy fall into that category? No. I think Ben Youngs probably does. I don't. I see. I don't because I, I I've, I've I've seen lots of interviews with him. Um, he kind of he has the piss taken out of him a bit and takes the piss out of himself a bit. Mm. Um, but also Eddie Eddie Jones when he has come into camps on several occasions actually has kind of teased him about Harry Bows and chocolate biscuits and like well this is an interesting point right so because he's he's had a few weight fluctuations and so I, if you teased someone like Owen Farrell or yeah George you just Ford, w- you wouldn't do it with them no I just can't imagine that going down well and that's one of the, Eddie's like key weapons isn't it how he messes with people but he, he yeah he, like if you said to Owen Farrell no. mate your kicking's not good you need to go out there and kick. He might actually kick for 48 hours solid. But no, 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 he'd get a stress fracture in his foot because no, he would be out there. So yeah. well. No, actually, I, I'm not so sure. I think Owen Farrell is, as an example, um, I think he would go, I disagree. Maybe. I, I, he's super, I think he is uber, ultra professional, but I think he's got such a solid self-belief and core that you, you can't, you can't knock him. He he wouldn't pay any attention to someone. If if he agreed with Eddie Jones, went yeah, I'm not kicking well enough. He would be out there, yeah, for 48 hours straight. But if if Owen Farrell thought, no, I'm doing a good enough job, I, I, that's honestly I think, what yeah. I think about him. I wonder if he's like the kind of character. I wonder if Eddie Jones struggles. Not struggles isn't the word, but there's a different dynamic between players like him, i.e. Farrell, who could stand up to him and say, no, actually, you're wrong, and you know, what you're going to say because Farrell is you know, the the uber ultra professional, and and he's he's almost at a level where he's a coach, a player coach kind of mm. um, type player, like, like very much like Sexton is within the island camp. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very similar. You're part of that decision-making tree. You're so experienced, you're so knowledgeable. Which all, which all great teams have. That's, yeah. that's not a negative. 
No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't see that. I don't see that as a negative. Everything has a positive and a negative. So I, I don't see, I don't see that as a negative in the right environment. Yeah. So I guess this is a great place to start, isn't it? What do you think of the team selection? I'm not surprised, um, because I, th- I think Eddie has shown that he he kind of always plays his best team, yeah. and what that that's not to say that he will always pick exactly the same 15 but he always picks the strongest team he does he does to be fair the, the, the one obvious thing is well if you weren't going to play Harry Randall or Doggers uh, in this game or, or, or Ollie Lawrence or Ollie Lawrence uh, then, then when are you then when are you going to play them there's yeah. that uh, the, the other element is whatever the outcome of the game regardless of who he selected if he, if he picked all the fringe players and England had won well Okay, doesn't change anything for next week. And, it, and, it, and to... if you if if they win handsomely or not, then well, we expect you to win handsomely. It's Italy. Yeah, uh, I agree with all that. He yeah. does. He's very pragmatic. He picks his best squad continuously. I don't know if I agree with it, but I understand it. Um, I did not understand the Lawrence decision at all. Well, I do actually because no, it's... I do. No, well, I do because obviously I feel I feel sorry for Ollie Lawrence. Don't get me wrong; the two things can be true. I totally understand it. I think you saw what George Ford adds. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I do get it now because obviously Ollie Lawrence is the reason that they won by oh, yeah, yeah. by forty points. And I mean, but basically the that's, that's can... what we've learned. That's what we've yeah. learned, isn't it? The reason they conceded two tries is because Ollie Lawrence trained with them. <laughs> no, if they get rid of Ollie Lawrence completely, the sky's the limit. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. Uh, I, I disagree with you, Tim. Uh, I think George Ford's fantastic. I think Owen Farrell less so. Um, he brings other things. That I just it feels so unjust. That, that's how I feel like it. It feels that they value everything about Owen Farrell so highly that the rugby side sometimes gets missed out and. The tangibles that Ollie Lawrence brings as an inside centre, measured against Owen Farrell's, are clearly superior. They're clearly superior, and I just feel it is in, in some planes. Yeah, in some planes. In some planes. In others, maybe not so. Oh, just, just because I've not seen. Yeah. I, and I've, I'm not like Sir Clive Woodward, who's never seen Ollie Lawrence play. <laughs> I, I like watching Worcester play. I like watching Ollie Lawrence play. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, that was. I can't. I can't believe Clive Woodward admitted that. Even not? if he thought but, it, but, but there you go. You won a World Cup, whatever. I say, I want. I don't even. I've never seen him play. And the, these guys, they, they're getting the gigs anyway. No, no matter how good or bad they are, they keep getting these well-paying um, premium gigs. It? So they can say whatever they want. Why am I not, watching this again? They've not said anything of relevance for about five years. Half of these guys, so it doesn't matter. The John Barkley having a bit of a dust up with. Um... I like, I like John about, Barkley. Like, you know, he might as well have said to Gusker, like, you've not been in a ruck for the best part of 30 years, so yeah. like, don't tell me how to ruck. I like jo- John, yeah. Bar- John Barkley and um, Warburton for the um, BBC. They, thank God they're there, because otherwise you're just dusting off the I'll, sea. I will say, like, John Barkley, I've, I've, I've waxed him. I love him. I've waxed yeah. him before, worked with him a few times, and he's an absolute gent and lovely guy. And uh, had a had a few beers with him after a game at Ulster. Just what a bloke! But um, I, I will say his hair's looking far too well kept for, it is. for a man two months into lockdown. That's the only <laughs> so one little. Uh, what's going on, John Barkley? Yeah. Is it maybe, married, maybe, married, to, married to a hairdresser. Married to a hairdresser. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if I, I if I was single right now, I'd be I'd be only swiping right on Tinder on a hairdresser. Yep. <laughs> uh, I wonder if. When they go to makeup, the makeup artists are qualified for hair. And oh. That's the only thing that I, that I can think be, of. Covered, what a coveted set of skills that would be right now. Yeah. Seriously valuable. I'm going to shave my hair probably tomorrow. I'm just going to get rid of it. Do it. Do you think I should? 
<laughs> uh, you usually have longer hair anyway, so you're well, all right. Things things will start opening up soon, so your lo- your window of being able to do that and it not actually matter it has to happen now. Well, it's, right yeah, now. it's, it's like you, yeah. you're, that, that window now. is closing. Yeah, exactly that window right. is closing. Uh, um, yeah, so so well, the, the squad was, was no surprise, right? No, I, I, was, I was a little bit surprised I, for the six-two split. I, I was just going to say on Ollie Lawrence. Yeah, he don't get me wrong. Exceptional talent, real promising player, and clearly Eddie Jones thinks that because he's in the England squad and he's started him. What I would say is, before you start saying Ollie Lawrence is clearly a better twelve than Owen Farrell, he is clearly Owen better. Farrell has had, uh, he's not in a good run of form. However, I'm just looking at a British and Irish Lions jersey uh, behind you. He wore twelve against New Zealand for the Lions. Yeah. Um, so don't be don't, so, <laughs> so don't don't be. Uh, and, and I want to say you is know, and, and then the... it wasn't only a choice of, oh, is it Ollie Lawrence or is it uh, oh uh, we haven't got anyone else. I, I would say this: don't behave like the WRU and don't judge players on what they've done. Judge them on what they're going to do. Ollie, if you were, come on, if you had a team right now, the England team, it's your selection. You tell me what Owen Farrell is better than Ollie Lawrence at kicking ball at hand. Hold on, hold on. Form is temporary. And he is not in great form. I will accept that. But don't. All I'm pointing out by by saying, you know, pushing, um, pointing back four years, is that he has, at the very, very highest level, been Warren Gatland's choice over some exceptional twelves to wear that very jersey. So I don't agree with you. I don't think he is. Well, you don't. You don't Warren, that, that Warren Gatland picked him at twelve. Well, no, I don't think he's. I think when you look at that Lions tour. Who 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 was the competition? I mean, 12, Robbie Henshaw. Twelve is not a position which the British ben, Isles in particular. Ben there you go. So like Ben Tio did one ben, thing. Ben Tio is a great twelve. Ben Tio did one thing. If Ben Tio was uh, was Owen Farrell is another thing. If Ben Tio was thirty years of age now, if it was, if he'd be starting for England over Owen Farrell, probably over George Ford. Mm. So. I just or he'd be thirteen. I, mean, well, I, don't know. I, I wonder. I wonder why this twelve experiment for Owen Farrell never worked at Saracens. Saracens will tell you this. Saracens are very open about it. They don't think he's a twelve. I don't think he's. A, I think he's a. The, the fact of the matter is, he is good enough to play fifteen, thirteen, twelve at a certain standard. He's a, a good enough twelve to play at a very high standard. But well, he's not the, a, the highest the, standard. He is not. But I mean, I would argue that if Ollie Lawrence was coming through at the lines. At that time, he might have had a shot at at twelve. Ollie Lawrence is a superb player, and he brings something very different. Now, so why did Gats get it wrong then? Well, I mean, maybe if Ollie Lawrence played, uh, they'd have won. They'd have won, not drawn. Well, no, no, they would have lost all the tests, wouldn't they? Judging, <laughs> judging ways. Maybe, maybe we just don't know. Um, uh, hey, this is not, this is not getting around the fact it's it's harsh on Ollie Lawrence, and I feel for the guy. And also, Owen Farrell is not in great form. But to try to to, to make any broader judgment than Owen Farrell's not playing brilliantly at the moment is ridiculous, in my humble opinion. The, the, the judgment on Owen Farrell is simply this. He's a magnificent professional, a good leader, and he brings a lot of stuff which is intangible off and on the field. On the field, uh, however, the tangible stuff... There are many better 12s than, than Owen Farrell, and it actually depends. Many better, name yeah. them. Most 12s that play in the Premier League. Brad Barrett is a better 12 than Owen Farrell. Well, retired, but yeah. But he is a better 12 than Owen Farrell. I mean, that, just in his club. I mean, it de- again, it depends on what you want him to do. Uh, Jansi van Gensburg. G- G- Gatland, Brad Barrett was available to Gatland. 
in 2017. Depends what you want to do. It depends. What but, you so want why to do. answer the question then? Why did Bar- why did why did Gatlin would, get it wrong? You would have to ask Warren Gatlin because I wouldn't be making <laughs> the same decision. Uh, yeah, I I do think he. Uh, did he get it wrong on that tour? Looking at what he had available to him, probably not. But without relitigating, he could have the got Lions, Brad, Brad Barrett. Could have had Brad Barrett, and that would. He could have, have had any of the Premiership twelve. Made a hell of a difference. <laughs> you know, there were, I mean, you know, Manu is a better twelve, even though he's a thirteen at certain aspects. You know, you're not going to find a twelve who's a better kicker than than Farrell because he's because he's a superb superb kicker. So if you judge it on that metric, he's probably one of the best twelves in the world. But that's not how it works. <laughs> Interesting. There we go. In in the same way, I'm absolutely sure Dan Cole is one of the best 12s at the, in the world if you judge it on scrimmaging ability. So it depends on what you want to do. Uh, should, should we get back to the game? Let's just talk about the people who weren't involved. Um, okay. Adogwu and Randall. And yep. a theory which I've been mulling around, which is the predatory selection policy. Which which is interesting. If that was if, the case, he would have capped him in this yeah. game. Yeah. But they don't Cause, do cause this, this do they? Well, this is the thing. It's only pretty... Like, Gary Graham would have been predatory selection if you cap him and prevent him from playing Cam for Scotland. Re- but do you know what they, you know yeah, what they Cam were Yeah, Cam Redpath brought him into the squad. They were putting him as, like, the travelling reserve. Uh, so, like, if someone went down, he would have been capped. Um, Luke, Luke Moore? Sam Moore is another one, right? They are getting these lads. I am absolutely positive. I've got no proof, but I'm positive. They are bringing these lads into squad... To give him a sniff of England with actually no intention of playing. Well, no, no, hold on. If it was predatory, Cam Redpath and Gary Graham wouldn't have been able to play for Scotland. If it was predatory, Adogu and Randu would have been capped just so they couldn't be be picked by anyone else. Now, call me. Yeah. The, the fact that the, the fact that the two of them weren't capped here suggests to me they're not going to get a cap during the Six Nations. They're bar, never going to get a cap, bar, barring injury. They're never going to get barring a cap. injury for England, which for means England. barring injury, which means they may well say okay. I'm going to take my chances and go to, go play for Italy or Wales. Yeah. The, yeah this, the, the bit sorry. that I think it is, is Eddie Jones, and he's done this with a lot of other players who are not eligible for other nations, like Dombrandt, for example, um, or Don Armand, for example, where they come in, they Eddie has a very good look at them, determines whether they're test match animals, whatever the hell that means, and says yes or no. Once, once I've got you in camp, I can determine if you've got the stuff or not. And some of those players are um, dual qualified, and some of them aren't. And it, it's it's no more conspiratorial than that. I think it is more conspiratorial. I think there's but, two things going on here. I think there is the indomitable force of Eddie, who says, I will only play whoever I want to play. And then on the other side of that coin... As, there, he, as he should. As he should. As is his right. And on the other side of that coin, I believe there are there is some RFU tomfoolery going around. Which is no, why... I'm not having that. Come on. Velikot. Some Some more... Sam Moore was in the England squad. How's that happen? Eddie has called up 120 Gary players in, in six years. Um, Sam Moore, Gary Graham, Velikot, they, they, they didn't get anywhere near the side. I think the closest that Don Brandt's got to being in the team is when they started talking about him being potentially qualified for Wales because he played at Cardiff. Well, well, hold on. There's a big difference between being in a training squad and actually being in a Six Nations squad. So I, I, I honestly think it's... Um, I think this is the proof, the fact that neither of these players, and you look at Cam Redpath and Gary Graham as well, it's the proof that Eddie is just picking who he 
believe oh, yeah, I believe are the bit. best players for every fixture. And if they want to go off and play for Scotland or Italy or Wales, and well, Gary that's Gray, on them. Right? And Dombrant, Don just on that point, Dombrant, since has been playing for Quinns, has never been eligible for Wales. Because it's three years of continuous residence immediately up to the point. Exactly right. So, exactly so right. He's, there's no rush now, is there? No, but he's never, since he started playing for Quinns, so no one has ever talked about him being eligible for Wales. As in, the point that yeah, you just make yeah, cannot be over, true. No, when he came out, when, when he first started playing, people were like, he's eligible for Wales. And that, I think, was but the he, But he wasn't. Was, yeah, he was. No, because he has to live in Wales for three continuous years up to the point. So when unless he was commuting from Cardiff to Harlequins for his first 10 games, he wasn't eligible to well, play for well, Wales. There was, a, there was chatter about it. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure, right, if there was chatter around um, Billy Burns before he made his island move, he'd have been called up. I, and this isn't, I mean, this is slightly conspiratorial. I, I, grant, <laughs> I, I grant you that. But the R of you are seriously annoyed by the other unions who do actively poach. And they do have people who are dedicated to finding mm. players. Uh, I mean, the work that well, Ireland Well, then did, isn't it great that Eddie's there not paying any attention to any influence that anyone might be putting on him to select players? Yeah, but it's not very good for a Paolo Adogu who could have two bloody Italy what? caps now. <laughs> you know, that, that's, the, that's the problem. What, and, oh, how well, awful for Paolo Adogu to be selected in an England squad. I don't know. What and you and then Eddie Jones decide he doesn't want to play him so he's still available for Italy. Or decide he is good enough on merit... And then he's an England international. Yeah, you know, all of which Paolo Adogo is doing as a grown man I, making his own decision. Look, I, I'm, there is something going on here. And England, the, the union itself, are very, very angry. You know that, you know that little um, gif meme of Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> with, <laughs> the line, <laughs> with the With the board and all the faces. And I'm, I'm more thinking the Alex Jones with the tinfoil hat. There this one. There are people. There are people. There are people out there. People have been saying that Dombrant is eligible for Wales, even though he was living in London at the time. And there's people putting chemicals in the water to turn the rugby players Welsh. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the work that the, I, the IRFU did to investigate the eligibility of, uh, what's his name from Sale? Uh, Mike Haley. It's second to none. Mm. Right, so there is, there is, there is a total war they, they got the... They should... They, it's, good. it's a TV show in Ireland, isn't it? Like, we have Who Do You Think They Are? They have that, but for potential <laughs> Ireland internationals. I mean, they had to go back. And I don't know how they find it, because I don't know where the records are. But Mike Haley's been capped by the under-20s and by the A-team, and they had to work out who was the registered team at that point and at that point. Yeah, England yeah. thought they had him sewn up. Yeah, well, there's yeah. no way that they're, no pl- way they're getting this guy. He played for the Saxons against the um, Emerging Springboks or whatever the yeah. South Africa A-team is called. I remember watching the game. Great game, wasn't it? Because I was, I was certain that he was... Um, yeah. England captured the, at Ireland, that point in time. Sorry, Scotland have someone. I can't remember. It's a name that you'll you'll know when I say it. And I can't remember who who he is. But he is going up and down the country looking for Scottish qualified lads. That, that, mm. you know, how well, did they find bloody Thomas Francis? Hugh Jones. Yep, yeah, th- there you go. Hugh Jones was um, well, born and raised in England mostly, I think. But then uh, university in South Africa ended up playing for uh, the Stormers in Cape Town. Which God, that would have been good fun. Wouldn't it just? Well, well do, brilliant fun. And then he was all that time. Obviously, England qualified, but also uh, uh, Scotland. Do, do you know Byron McGuigan's story? He's, is he Namib- Namibian? Namibian. He's playing for Border Bulldogs, who are in the Curry Cup. Okay. And he was playing a sevens tournament, and Gregor Townsend happens to be there, and goes, "What's with your surname?" And I think his mum's Scottish. And then from that point on, Gregor Townsend, he's on his radar. Signs at Glasgow, maybe. Did he um, not sign Exeter first, or did he go to Glasgow, no, then Exeter, he went then Glasgow, Sale. Exeter, 
sale. And, you know, is the best winger that Scotland won't play. It's ridiculous. For, for, yeah. Ridiculous. But I, tell, I tell you what, he would score both those tries that uh, Van der Merwe missed. <laughs> both of them. He wouldn't have scored the one last week, it. though. Uh, probably would have. He scored it differently, but he would have scored it. <laughs> so, just saying. Yeah, so, you know, the, these forces are out there, boys. Okay, so so far we've learnt uh, nothing about the England Italy game, but we have learned that there is a conspiracy within the within not just the RFU, but I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, th- I think it's common knowledge that there is the um, the powers that be within Scotland, and Wales, and, and presumably England to make sure that there is no one who is potentially a uh, Scotland player, for example, who is slipping through the net. I think that is indisputable. I'm just. I don't think you can definitely put that fact and the fact that there's been 120 players called up to Eddie Jones' England squad, but only 50 of them have ever got on the pitch. Um, and some of the, 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 the 70 that didn't oh, make it happen to be eligible for other countries. Deny I just don't reality, think you can put the two. Don't deny the consequences of denying reality. That's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> what's, what's, uh, actually, it's very appropriate for you that's well, in this scenario. It's appropriate for someone, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's talk about the players that did make it on the pitch. And um, well, firstly, uh, as I said, it's, it's a no-win situation for Eddie Jones because uh, yeah. if, even if even if he'd won by eighty points to nil, people are still going to uh, criticise. As it is, England won with six tries. Italy put up a, a manful effort, but they're not a good team. They they, they scored a couple of great tries. Um, your boy Monte Ioanni. Monte Ioanni scored a beautiful try. That, that, the first five minutes for Italy was superb. Yeah, um, they didn't do very much else apart from the other train the whole of the rest of the game. The bit that was most frustrating was just their inability to identify space and kick into it. They kicked so much ball straight down Johnny oh, May, Anthony Watson, and Elliot Daly's throats. Mm. And those three, they didn't have the best game last weekend. But given that much time and space with that much ball, they were always going to have a good game this weekend. Well, that said, I, I think I think I agree with you from last week that Elliot Daly got some uh, criticism that wasn't warranted. I think this week, uh, I he, think he deserves he, he, he deserves he des- deserves some criticism. Some criticism definitely, yeah. um, he t- took his try easily. I mean that uh, pass behind on the floor to. Was it Johnny May in, in the first half down yeah. the left wing? Was awful. Was schoolboy. Um, he wasn't the only one who was throwing ben, bad passes. Ben was... Young's had a good game, didn't he? <laughs> the, the the quality of handling of the England side was generally well sub substandard. It was, it even, was even guys poor, like really poor. Sinclair had yeah. a few. You got man of the match. He did play well, but he had Do you some. Think he played well? I was watching him. I just didn't I, think he was that good, actually. I don't think he was man of the match, no. but I I, th- I thought he played reasonably well. well I, I thought he played well. He scrimmaged well. Johnny um, Hill was probably man of the match. All, yeah, Johnny Hill was the best. Uh, or Luke Carandicki. Or Luke Carandicki. Mm. I thought LCD was great. Um, but Ben Youngs. Ben Youngs is. If that was Luke Carandicki, for example, if it was a, a, a hooker or a prop or a back row who kind of arrives at a rook late, there's the scrum arse on the deck and gives a pass like that, you'd be like, ah, he needs to work on his game, but he's he's a prop. He, he, he does that once or twice a game. But he's an international scrum half, passing like that over and over and over again. Yeah. I feel like I'm going mad when I watch it, but I'm, I know I'm not alone because everyone I'm talking to at the time is in the same boat. Yeah. But then I'm like, how? How does... How does Eddie Jones not see it? How do his coaches not see it? How does Owen Farrell and George Ford, how do they not 
I just wonder. Like, the ball above their head, behind them, on the floor, they're constantly stop-start. They're not getting the attacking moves going because the passing is so poor, and no one's picking up and, on it. And, and to your point, uh, that there was a, a message popped up in the Fancy Rugby Draft WhatsApp group that said, Ben Youngs cannot pass. Uh, and then one one reply was, I've just had four other WhatsApp groups all with someone making exactly the same point. Including yeah. um, one WhatsApp group who were playing a drinking game <laughs> on every time Ben Youngs does something <laughs> terrible, which is a dangerous game to Pray play. for them. <laughs> Goodness me. Yeah. Goodness me. Here's a, um, a transfer I'd like, I'd like to see happen. Gobby sees a bath. Gobby. I, li- I like Gobby see. I, 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 like think he, I think he's kicking. He needs... He needs someone to put a, an arm around his shoulder, a bit of um, strategic and tactical nous because some of his exit kicking was woefully poor and, and naive as well. But he's a talented kid. He is, isn't he just? He's got lovely hands. He's got a turn of pace. He's, he's pretty strong as well. He's well built. I just he, think... he should play in the Pro 14 or something. Or he's, he, In fact, he is playing in the Pro 14. Why? Why? Because it does, there's no one's getting relegated. It's, it's like... You, you don't need. It doesn't matter. You can just go. Yeah, just play Jue Jue. Off you go. If it's rubbish, it's, it's rubbish. It's uncompetitive rugby. Well, um, the bottom of the Pro well, Fourteen is literally the maybe, worst place on earth. Maybe, <laughs> and we'll get into this on a little bit on the other podcast and more so next weekend. But maybe this is a reason why um, the the, the pre- relegation in the Premiership is so important because you've got an environment which actually readies you for the small margins of international rugby and I think the word naive was exactly what Phil used but I bet you Garbisi's never had the opportunity or to play in a game that is of such magnitude that small errors and tactical exit a kicking is so point, important that's a fantastic yeah. point that because maybe to win the game the errors were so small but the game never mattered like, so he's not in the finals of the Heineken Cup is he or yep. the well, he might make a playoff for the Pro 14, I guess, at one point. Yeah, but it, for for Benetton, and JB, I know you're a big Benetton fan, yeah. um, for, for Benetton, just making the playoffs is their finals. But if, they, don't, it, if they make it, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. If, if they, But if they make it, that is a massive achievement for them. Yeah, uh, Nothing brings out the best in the fly half than the white-hot heat of Bath, living in the goldfish bowl and trying to meet the expectations of a billionaire. Like if you if, yeah. you if you got thrive in in that in that environment, I don't know where you will thrive. But then he'll come back with management speak lingo. He, he needs <laughs> if Bath get an aggressive dor, an aggressive chirpy. Maybe maybe either uh, northern, northern, northern or, northern, or possi- yeah. possibly um, Australian, but um, northern. Perhaps. Michael Checker to Bath would be a good fit. I think Checker would be a great fit. Well, in I've Bath. got a feeling after this week, the current dor is going nowhere. Uh, well, but yeah, Gabby is a great point that he's never he's never had. I mean, he is only twenty. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love to see him play in the Premiership because I think he's a great player. Um, I think he could be um, someone like a Parisi, a generational player in in a French team. Yeah, uh, I think I think I think he's a really talented guy. Yeah, Top fourteen. I don't I don't want to see him wasted. I, I want him to see to see him play some proper yeah. proper rugby. Mind, mind you, Finn Russell plays all right when he's wasted. <laughs> um, in the England game, because we're not we're not going to dissect it anymore. That we're not going to get. There's no merit in that. Can we just talk about the Johnny May try for a second? Yeah. Oh, the jumping out the tackle one. Yeah, the jumping in the diving into the corner. Um, what what was your take on it at the time? And fine at the time. With reflection, I think the people who are saying it's against the laws are right. Isn't it one of those laws which is there for? Like, you know, clear and obvious breaches. 
Well, there's been a lot of people, there's a lot of people at the time talking about the laws, as as in people were talking as if there was two clearly defined laws that you can't jump into into the tackle, being one law, but you can jump into the tackle in if it's to score a try, if it's the act of scoring a try. Now, I don't think either of those laws are as clear as people would like you to make out. I and mean, People, including Nigel Owens, who said it's, it's kind of crystal clear on Twitter, you can't do that. But the law is definitely not as clear as some people are making. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, uh, can I just make a point? With, uh, this is conspiratorial for me now. Here we go. <laughs> if, jo- if, Johnny May was, if Johnny May was any other nationality but English... No one would have mentioned it. Oh my word! This is conspiratorial, <laughs> and it's xenophobic. And yeah, more to the point. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Actually, I agree with that. There, there are cert- certain uh, people within the home nations, mostly, who, who did not want to see that try be given. But uh, I, I, I say, I say, let the boys play. And this is a just come on. That was abs- that, what an amazing moment. And, uh, and and like you say, I think there, there is some ambiguity in the laws. and so def- There definitely is. I mean, okay, first of all, this sounds ridiculous. What is a jump? I, uh, well, what's a jump in the laws? Well, yeah, well, what is it? How is it defined? It, it doesn't come into it. Okay. So, so, so jump, jumping into a player is not in the laws, as in a ball carrier must not jump into a player. What I can get to is... Uh, law 9.11, uh-huh. which is uh, under the foul play section, which is under dangerous play, and it is as simple as players must not do anything that is reckless or dangerous to others. And is, there's no there's no reference to jumping, no? Nope. There you go. So, so, so and, uh, But equally, there is no reference, from what I can find, to diving in the act of scoring a try, making you know it what? allowed. We should phone right now. We probably would pick up the phone. <laughs> we've we've talked about this before JP. but there's a, there was one bit in uh, I think it might have been Clive Woodward afterwards I think it was Clive Woodward who said you know that's that's stuff you can't teach and we talked about it years ago <laughs> yeah. um, teaching it <laughs> I think Andy Farrell was in the, was yeah. one of the that, that was the era it was but there's pictures of Johnny May and other England wingers practicing this very skill yeah, with, yeah. with crash mats in the dead ball area I think it's, it didn't start with this guy but I think it became more prominent with this guy Certainly in the Premiership is Denny Salamona. Yeah, Denny with Salamona, rugby league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loads of tries doing this. It's a rugby yeah. league thing, isn't it? It's That's a rugby it league. Yeah, and, yeah. and rugby league fans, uh, you, you know, th- 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 that was the two things I saw on Twitter. One, there was people moaning that it shouldn't have been allowed, and you look into it and you go, "Oh yeah, okay, I see." 
I see what's going on there, that they support other teams. And then there was other people that were going, you see that every week in rugby league, what's the big deal? Do, do you want to give JP a call? Uh, a him a text. Well, no, fire him a text. Fire him a text and see. If, but I, so I was surprised that so many people were kind of saying, "Oh yeah," like including Nigel Owen saying it's it's definitely clear. Which in my mind, it's definitely not clear. The other thing is, so it, it's not specifically a law that you can or cannot do that. I don't believe the the law is that that reckless or dangerous to others, and that is normally utilized in jumping into the tackle. Um, in this, he was jumping kind of out of the field of play to try and avoid the tackle, um, which therefore and therefore is not reckless and dangerous. But equally, that that law, the jumping into the tackle law, because it's not a law, it's by convention that it's applied, which so, therefore means... Uh, but the convention in that scenario is you can jump into the corner. We've seen lots of tries scored like that um, that are given. So because it's not explicit, the convention, the precedent dictates that it should be a try in my mind. Sorry, I've just got a conundrum here. JP Doyle was last online 12 minutes ago. I've just realised it's half 10. Oh, no. Uh, no. Yes. No, 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 let's leave it. That's fine. That's I, I, think, I think Phil summarised it beautifully yeah, there. We'll, we'll come that. And, um, and, yeah. so, um, and what I would say is, like, had the act of Johnny May jumping meant his boot went and whacked into the head of the defender, you might have an argument that that was reckless and dangerous. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd probably support that. If he if he torpedoes, if he dives off his feet and goes with a knee or a shoulder into the head of the defending player, I'd say, yes, that is definitely in line with 9.11. That is that is foul play. Mm. But he doesn't. So, and because, it, because the press has been set by so many other good tries, there was one that I saw, which was Denny Solomona doing something fairly similar... Um, but there's there's lots of other I know um, Little the Ulster winger has done it on numerous occasions, and and lots of other players have done it lots of times. So I I just I don't I think the try should have stood in, in my oh, opinion. Oh totally, and it was outstanding. Uh, what was the um, what would happen if uh, I mean well hopefully it would have just been play on. But I guess the what the other thing is what would have happened if the defender had taken him out when he was in the act of diving, which is technically, you're not allowed to take someone out. In yeah. yeah. So, so I I would say it becomes a fair tackle yeah, because agreed. you're in... And again, I think convention, I think you could probably, if you look through all of the tries scored in the corner, you could probably find 10 tries where... Or 10 incidents or more where a player has been tackled as they're diving for the corner, taken into touch, and a penalty is not given. It's been given as a, a line-out. Yeah. I, do you know the law that I hate the most... Is not the competing in the air from a kick. I understand that fully. It's competing in the air from a pass. I really hate that law. So if you jump up to yeah. a pass and you make contact with the other person, all of a sudden, you know, you sh- there should be a sort of requirement to stay on the ground for a pass. That should be the law. I, I don't know. It's a difficult one because if it's a bad pass, it happened with Sinclair and Charlie Falmoina. It did um, a f- good few years ago. Now, probably was Lions. it was it twenty seventeen? Yeah, oh, yeah, Lions. Yeah, where bad pass to Sink Sinks jumps, Falmoina hits him in the air, and Falmoina gets the the card against him because yeah. Sinclair. And it's a technical thing because Sinclair didn't have the ball at the time of the jump, but that that does um, it. It opens a Pandora's box that because. Until you've got the ball, you can jump in the air. So even if it's a no- theoretically applying that law as it was applied there, any ball carrier, if they know they're going to get smashed man and ball, could jump before they receive the ball. They then receive the ball and are immediately taken in the air and win a penalty. So it's mm. 
The, oh, I don't. They, they, that's the coaching point out of this, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> let's coach that. Coach slightly. Uh, maybe that's why Ben Youngs is on the pitch. So Ben Youngs <laughs> gives bad it. passes, <laughs> so players have to Brilliant. jump. So penalty. They're just not applying the tactics properly. Brilliant. Well, so no, no. no it's, so it's not that Ben Youngs is. Uh, passing badly it's that he's passing, passing brilliantly pa- passing brilliantly to try and engineer penalties exactly but the players aren't jumping enough it's them yeah. it's their problem it's the players problem no, not Ben Young's <laughs> no wonder he's got a hundred caps <sighs> wow <laughs> uh, but there's not a lot you can take out of the Italy game we talked about Italy yeah. they, they do some good things they're a naive young team that are developing yes oh. That's all you can really say about them. Uh, England England have some players that did some good things and they have some players that are not at the level you would expect them to be at. No. Co- correct, yeah. And the best best two players were Johnny Hill and, and um, Mullet Hyphen Dickey. LCD scrum system. I've got a funny yeah. feeling Wales going to... I've got a funny feeling Wales are going to turn them over, you know. I've got this feeling of dread. <laughs> I was going to say... You think, dread! I, I, you, last because week, more, what's more important to me than national... Their national agencies. It's been right. Well, last weekend was nearly your perfect rugby weekend because Sale won. Yep. England lost. Uh huh. France won. Uh huh. But then Wales won. You actually devastating. You want Wales I, to lose? I don't could you? not care. Oh, I, I only. I mean, I prefer them to win on balance. You know, <laughs> no, you don't. Fifty-one forty-nine. Something like that. Right? <laughs> you're you're, you're dreading England, but but England no. beating Wales is is uh, sorry. Wales beating England is no, but that's good because then you get to moan about Eddie Jones and Owen Farrell. Yeah. Well, it, depends, it depends what I pick. You're in a win-win situation. Maybe, but I need to. <laughs> You know, if I, it's a hard game to pick, right? I'm going to pick England to win this. It's more important to me now that England win it because I've said that they're going to win it. But I've just got this horrible nagging feeling, and also I've also I've also slated Wayne Pivak, so it goes against the prevailing narrative. It's a disaster. Thing. <laughs> it's a disaster. You, you, you can't lose the England Wales game because you're going to be have to be able to have a, a proper moan at Eddie Jones or Wayne Pivak, but you're going to have to begrudgingly. Or, give, give credit mm. to the other, but you could do both. You could moan at both because you could say, um, if "They could draw zero zero draw nil nil draw or something." Because if Wales win, you can say, "Here's why Wales need to worry." Yeah, which is what, you, what, what you've done for the last yes, two there weeks. You go. Here's, yes, thank you. So for you that. can criticise both of them, no matter who wins. I put that in the bank. Here's why Wales need to worry. For so that. you're all, you're They're always right. England uh, in two weeks' time. It is interesting. I, I will say, I think England are for. It appears England are for a lot of people, uh, English people. I'm talking about English fans. Mm-hmm. Quite hard to like, and there's a lot. Uh, and I, I've. I've noticed. I've only ever seen this a couple of times. I remember under the Martin Johnson England side when they just kept losing. I think it was Martin Johnson. Oh no, no, Andy Robinson. Yeah, and Martin Johnson. The Andy Robinson. Yeah, but more Mart- so, Martin more Johnson. So Twenty eleven. More so. Andy How did it go? Did it go? Woodward Robinson. Was it then Ashton? Ashton, Ashton for two thousand seven. Yeah. Yes, was there anyone that? Yeah. And then did Martin Johnson Lancaster? have a four-year run. He had a long old run. I mean, that is the most because Ashton took them to the World Cup final in two thousand seven. Yep. And then did Martin? But was it something funny like Martin Johnson came in ahead over? Like an overarching role ahead of Ashton. I, I, I don't can't remember, remember Ashton losing his job. I can't remember, but but I re- the, the only time I can remember, I can't remember. I think it was the Andy Robinson. Or it might have been Martin Johnson. Whatever, it might have been both. But there was. It's only very rare that you notice. Oh, there's actually quite a lot of England fans that are actually kind of secretly, or maybe not even secretly, hoping England do badly. And uh, it's happened with the football team in the past before. And I think there are there is a there is a bubbling undercurrent of England fans who actually want England to lose. 
Mm, interesting. I've not noticed it, mm. but I can yes. see why they don't like the style of rugby. I, I don't mind the style of rugby as long as they, you know, as long as they win. It's, it's all about winning. About winning. There again, I said that about Wales. I said, yeah, they've won and it's not, it, it's not particularly good. It's a different type of winning. As long as they, <laughs> as long as they win and it's not a stroke of luck, basically. As long as they win by grinding people in, into, into dust, dust, nobody cares. Yeah, which is what they want to do. But they're just not doing it very well. Mm. Speaking of grinding people into dust, France. Did you see France Island? I did see France Island. Now, this, is a, this is a team that I want to win. Here, here we go. <laughs> really good game, and and I think Ireland again with the number of people they've got out, they were in the game. They and they they were in the game despite not playing very well and missing uh, kicks. Yeah, missing kicks. Oh and my it, god, that first kick was horrendous, wasn't it? Yeah, think, like, he need like Billy Burns needs to get this kick to kind of exercise the demons from yeah. his last kick in a green shirt, and it was not what he was hoping for. But France, so Ireland didn't play particularly well. But France equally didn't play well for big parts of the game, except the tries. They just I mean, all hung in there, didn't they? For that, yeah, for that first twenty-eight minutes, it was all Ireland, but they couldn't couldn't find a way in, couldn't get the break. Uh, other than James Lowe almost barged his way into the what? corner. And then France just turned it on. For for 30 seconds, France turned it on and they were unplayable. Ireland were all about James Lowe for the first half. Oh, he, oh, he, I didn't like his game today. I loved oh, it. I, I, I wanted him. I wanted him. I wanted more of him. Yeah, oh, yeah I wanted more of him, but I, like, I, I didn't think he had a great game. I thought James Lowe was absolutely... I mean, he, he does all that kicking. He, he even got kicks massive from boot. 10, doesn't he? He's got a massive boot. So they move... So, they move in defence, not defence, but when they want to kick away possession, they often move him in into ten. He boots it away from there. He joins the back three. The fullback is constantly looking for James Lowe to, to boot it away. And then it feels like the whole Irish team are set up just to give him the ball in a bit of space because he's so powerful. I thought first half he was brilliant. I thought Jameson Gibson Park and James Lowe were... I didn't think they were very good. Well, well, a little bit of interplay right at the end. When Gibson that... Park gets the ball, a little flick, James Lowe goes, gives it to Gibson Park. I thought that was... That was nice. But then obviously it, it came to nothing, so kind of irrelevant. But it, that was lovely. Yeah, I I, I like James though, right? but I was oh I, I do like him. He's a he's a great bloke and a really good player. But I I, I kind of gets I wanted a, gets a, a lot of work. He did a lot of work, but the work they weren't using him in smart ways. They were running him kind of one out, um, mm. basically as an extra forward carrier against three hundred and twenty kg um, French or South African French. Mm. Um, forwards which he can do that but he's not most effective doing that no he's yeah. not but he's a very effective player all round that's what I felt I, I thought it was so unusual to see a winger be so key to what an international team does yeah he kicked usually, a lot yeah usually they're yeah. just on the extremity waiting to finish well this guy they are using I mean they, they're using him to his full potential there's no twist about that can I give can I give credit to uh, Brees Dulan for that tackle because a, a lot was made, you know, a lot was made of oh, you know, James Lowe should have finished it, whatever. But for a, for a, for a fullback to, to well, yeah. for, for Brees Dulan to make that tackle on a big, strong guy like James yeah. Lowe was was I thought it was excellent. Oh, the one in the corner. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Dulan is not a big guy as well. I thought that was a try. It's only that second boot, isn't it? It's so it's so. Deceiving. It was the the margins are so fine on that. Yeah. Um, an, another guy who I thought played really well for Ireland um, was Andrew Porter. Yeah. Who yeah. scrummaged and. I've, I, I don't know. He's one of those where certainly when he first started coming in at, at tight head, he was maybe a little bit shaky at his scrummaging. He's always been a, a very strong guy, but with Ty Byrne being out for a long period of time, he's gone from strength to strength. He's got a lot of experience now. Um, I thought he was great, and he was winning penalties, um, hammering Cyril by in in the scrum, which was, and obviously the whole of the rest of the French pack. 
It was mm. pretty impressive. Yeah, I just I, I I I say it many times. I'll say it again. I love the French pack so much. I love that back row so much. I think Jalanche is cool. I think Andre is cool. I think Olivon is cool. Uh, o- Olivon, Olivon is seriously cool. Isn't he seriously cool? He's very he's cool. Man. Seriously cool. Dashingly handsome. Yeah. Tall, massive. Absolutely stacked. Uh, yeah. uh, just scores, scores tries for fun as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Larue is not a small man either. <laughs> no. Yeah. Back row moved into the second row. I just think that they are brilliant. And it's an important win for them. Because it's Dublin and Ireland are good, and they're like, not won there for ten years. Have they not? Yeah. Goodness me. I, I, I'm. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't let this go. The the the, the tries were defendable. They were, and, well. and they were missed t- tackles. I think it was Jameson Gibson Park and James Lowe but, that missed definitely tackles that they should have made. I mean, they're defendable if you defend them. It's like you know. It's like it's only easy if you know the answer to who wants to be a millionaire question. Like, I thought both tries were fairly well executed in, in, in the end. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I just think they were, you know, they were fairly well, fairly, fairly well done. Ireland feel very depressed, I think, as a nation over how their rugby player, uh, how their rugby uh, team is playing. I think they're in a surprisingly good nick. They seem to be, they seem to have the basis of a good team. Their pack seems relatively good. Their set piece seems relatively good. They're not far away from winning. That, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll put in some good performances for the rest of this, the tournament. Um, missing some important players. They're they're definitely missing some important players. Yeah. Now, I, I liked. It was great to see real quality guys that don't normally get a look in, like Reese Ruddock, showing what they can do when they get a chance. He's a he's a he's a old school blindside flanker. Yeah, Love he it. is. Yeah, old school. So. There is a silver lining here, isn't there? Which is at some point they're going to have to grasp the nettle. And realise that Sexton needs to go to the glue factory. Uh, <laughs> well, just move into the coaching team. Right? Yeah, because he's already got one foot in the coaching. Well, door. you can't have Rog and Sexton in the coaching team, can you? Mm, maybe mm, that, that, that spot's for Rog. Go on, Sexton's got to go and coach in New Zealand and then France for a bit, <laughs> for a few years, and then come back. Good point. Very good point. Uh, it's not clear they've got a ready-made replacement outside of Paddy Jackson. Yeah, that, that's the uncomfortable <laughs> truth for Ireland. Yeah. The, the younger Byrne. The younger Byrne, maybe. Not, not, not Billy Byrne, the younger other Byrne. Harry? Ha- yeah, is not it Harry. Ross. Is it Harry Byrne? Yeah. Ro- Ross Byrne is a good player. I, f- I feel like Ross Byrne has just. He's always kind of been playing second string to Sexton. Uh, even though I can't remember which way around it was. It was the Pro 14 final against Ulster that he started, wasn't it, to save Sexton for the. God. For what, do you know, what more do you need to know about the Pro 14? Uh, yes, you're right. I think it was. Uh, they just don't have a replacement. Oh, is this semi-final? Yeah. And the, and the longer that Joey Corbury is uncertain for, I mean, maybe he was the replacement. And if you don't have a replacement, maybe you need to play slightly differently. Maybe uh, make a game plan or a structure for your for your other tens. Put, you, put James Lowe at ten. Cra- I mean, crash ball, big boot. Why what, not? What more do you want? Why not get him in the game more? I do think that Gibson Gibson Park is an upgrade over Murray now. I think he really offers the forwards much better targets around the ruck. I think he moves around the around the base of the ruck in a much more threatening way. Who does? Sorry, Gibson Park. Oh no, I, I didn't. I, I didn't rate him today. No, I th- I, and even if he's not starting, I like him coming off the bench. I think he injects something completely no, different. I, I, I think I don't understand why I don't understand the aversion to Cooney. 
Cooney's the boy. I don't understand the aversion to Cooney. Uh, I, re- I just don't. Yeah. I don't get it. It's a weird one, isn't it? it Do not get it. It can't be a character fault. Yeah, you know, from all accounts, he's one of the nicest, most uh, yeah, you know, upstanding men possible. So it's not a character fault. But, no, well, I, I did hear Ronan O'Gara talking about um, Cooney and Murray um, before the tournament started when um, Cooney wasn't in the squad, and he said that's what he would have done um, because. You don't want two old um, scrum halves in there. You need younger players with more ex- with um, time to get more experience, which felt kind of nonsense because those two, I think they were 30 and 31, Cooney, Cooney and Murray, yeah. they they are the two best scrum halves. How old is Murray? I think he's 31. I think Cooney's I feel, 30. I he's a bit older. Well, but it doesn't, but, what, what, but I would, what I would say is look at the the highest level of rugby outside of the Six Nations the last two seasons. In the Heineken Champions Cup, John Cooney is a game-breaking, match-winning talent, consistently, and I just don't understand. I don't. I don't get it. I. I, I do not get I, it. I. I don't get it. I don't get your aversion to Gibson Park. I think he's brilliant. I. I, he, I, he I did quite, not, watch the game again. He did not have a good day today. I quite like him. I mean, this was this was not the best performance by Ireland. Ireland's only try came from a French lineout mistake, so it's not not an amazing Ireland performance. But sorry to sorry to give away my naivety here. Was that not a line out move? Was I not watching it? Was that a mistake? Or was that a move? It's a line Was it a mistake? Wasn't it? I got no idea. Now you meant saying it's a mistake. <laughs> I, I I was kind of I don't know. I went to go, and go go get a coffee and I saw Kelleher coming over and I just assumed it was no no no. Um, France went for the steal and uh, oh sorry oh. no Ireland went for the steal and France tapped it down into their own five meter channel. Ah, it just like, when I watched it, I didn't even notice the throw in. I just noticed the I noticed Kelly coming over. No, like, oh, it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a front peel. Uh, um, Cooney is thirty, and Conor Murray is thirty-one. Oh, there you go, he's much younger. Than I thought it just shows how long he's been around for. Yes, but well, they're they're the best in my, in my mind. They're the best two scrum halves in Ireland. And, and Cooney could slash should have twenty five caps under his belt by now anyway. Mm. Yeah, oh, no. I, at I least. Think Murray anyway. is the best partner for Sexton. They just yeah, know no, what I, I get that. I get that. If Murray, sorry, if Sexton's not available. The worst thing in the world you can do is try and replicate Sexton because he he can't he can't be copied. Yeah, he's just too good to be copied. Uh, so no, no his, one can run that run around. Yeah, exactly. It's unique. No matter how many, how many times you watch what? it, it's unique. No, it's, it's, so a little, something different, don't you? it's a little bit like when in, when we were talking about the the th- we used to talk about the three which three England fly halves would you have when you got Ford Farrell. You, you, actually, it's best to have the steadier one rather than the maverick one, or is it better to have the maverick one than the steadier one? Actually, no, it's perfect. You you want a clone of Col- uh, Colin, Connor Murray. Um, <laughs> Connor Murray would be interesting, though, you, wouldn't you, you, want, you want a clone. You don't necessarily have to have Cooney on the bench, but when Murray's injured, you've got your man. Yeah, that's in. fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and also, you do, you know, and maybe if Sexton's in, maybe you do look at Cooney. Cooney. Mind you, it's not as if Gibson Park doesn't know, know how to play with Sexton too. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's options. I think they're right to go with Gibson Park. I, I, I like the guy a lot, actually. Yeah. The disappointing from Ireland in this game was... And, and this perhaps is testament to um, to France. This this is not specifically 9 and 10 combos, by the way. Um, disappointment for Ireland was their inability to break down the French defence, which mm. could just be testament to Sean Edwards and his incredible French... Um, vocabulary. Yeah. Which have you seen the videos of him speaking <laughs> French yeah. in a thick northern accent, but but speaking what seemed to be fluent French. Oh, good. Um, which fair fair play to him. Yeah. 
Is, isn't it mad? Like, I was just thinking, what? It must be so weird for Sean Edwards and Andy Farrell, two Wigan Warriors legends. Yeah. All right, mate, how's it going? Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> and they're, 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 they're there at Ireland versus France. Ireland yeah. versus France. A lovely little story. Do you want meat and potato? I'll cheese and onion pie today. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, bit, the bit that's amazing from those videos... And I always forget this because I used to w- I watched a lot of rugby league when Sean Edwards and Andy Farrell were in their pomp. I was a Salford so- season ticket holder, no yeah, less, at, at the time, and and went to um, Central Park, the, the Wigan ground, on, on a few occasions. Um, anyway, um, the bit that I know but I always forget is just how small Sean Edwards is. So he's only he's, he's he was a, a halfback. He's only five foot eight. Really? But when you see him, what a hard man! Yeah, when you see him like doing interviews because he's he's got a thick neck, he's got a big round head, big broad shoulders. You think he's like six foot four? I think of I him as being get, like I six foot four. Six foot, yeah. And then you see him next to that friend. He, he was doing a, on one of the videos where he's talking French. He was doing some uh, defensive drills with the French for the French pack, and he's tiny. He's absolutely tiny compared to that French pack. Well, yeah, he was, he was smaller than Gatlin. Gatlin actually, when you think about it, isn't a massive man. Yeah. Gatlin's about... Well, he's, you're talking height-wise, he's a big man. Who, he's broad. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gatlin. He's a cuboid. Yeah. Yeah. So, just on your... How weird for Wigan Warriors. Here's a nice little story for you. Uh, Dean, Scho- Dean Schofield told me a story about leading Toulon out. And he captained, he captained Toulon. So, he captained Sail Sharks, and then many ran out, so everyone went there as well. <laughs> So he's captaining Toulon and he's uh, leading them out against Beerits. And the captain of Beerits that day was? Um, Lund. Magnus Lund. Magnus Lund. And he's like, what, 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 what are the chances? Two boys from the, from the northwest captaining yeah. Beerits and Toulon. Two of the biggest spending teams in the league at that time. Yeah, that's cool. It is cool. Yeah, really cool. Um, one other thing about this game. Did either of you... This is not about the game. Did either of you watch the... Um, pre-game press conference with Johnny Sexton middle of last week no no. so this was the day after or the day when the the rumours or the allegations from a French doctor came out oh yeah did you see those no yeah basically someone Johnny Sexton shouldn't be playing so a doctor who apparently treated Johnny Sexton in France when he was at uh, Racing 92 a long time ago yeah um, for concussion has come out in the French press and said Sexton has um, suffered more than 30 concussions in his career. He should not be playing rugby, basically. Okay. Which which seems like a weird thing for a doctor to do for, for lots of reasons. And Sexton, I thought, I thought he handled it well. He just wanted to get off the subject. But And I, I, I don't want to get onto the subject. The bit that I wanted to just mention was he gave the, the six-year-old cookie defence. What's that? Which was he kind of denied it was true, but then also tried to shift the blame. It's like, who stole your cookie? Oh, there wasn't a cookie, uh, but my brother also ate it. Ah. It's like it's like two mutually exclusive and contradictory ex- um, reasons. Right. So, so, I, I, so Sexton I, said, uh, well, he basically said it's totally untrue on one hand, which is the the cookie doesn't exist. But then he also said later in the same interview, about thirty seconds later in the same interview, I thought there was supposed to be doctor-patient confidentiality. Which is, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I've got no opinion know, as to whether it's true or know, not. The second point is far more, is far more, um, but important, isn't it? But it, 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 it's an interesting one though because. Or is the doctor a whistleblower? Well, well, if he's a whistleblower, he shouldn't be doing it through the press. How should he do it? 
through the IRFU, maybe. And if the IRFU ignore him? Well, also, Ireland have their own team of doctors who are... Yeah, we'll, who we'll are look in, into who it. Are in, who corrupt are, by the sounds of things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, it's a serious point. Like, if he really believes, and I'm not... I'm, just playing devil's advocate. No, I'm not. I'll just say it. Um, if he really believes that Johnny Sexton has had 30 concussions at Paris, in Paris and should not be playing, and they're putting his all well, his life at risk, if you, yeah. you believe some of the reports are out there, and he's raised it to the IRFU and they say our doctors are fine, he's saying, no, well, I'm a doctor and this guy shouldn't play. What should ra- he do? R- raising it five days before France play it just Ireland. France to play be. Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ireland, have, Ireland have team doctors who's player welfare is independent of the IRFU. How can it be? How can well, it well, be? How, I don't believe it. So, so, so are you, are you well, by, yes, by that am. token, are you saying that all premiership clubs... Yes, yes, I am. And, I think, and their, team, yes, doc, their yes. team doctors are... Yes, 100%. I, I, have a real, <laughs> I have a real problem, right? And I was going to write about this, about doctors being employed by teams. I don't, I'm, in fact, I'm almost of the opinion that there should be a different profession called, I don't know... Um, medical sports something or other not a doctor because the whole point of a doctor is you are completely independent and you work for the best interest of your patients do no harm do no harm right but it's very hard to say do no harm when you've seen all the doctors in say cycling or all the doctors doctors who work for the nfl who are covering up concussions or you know there's a lot of there's a lot of doctors out there who've done a lot of bad things so rather than sully the name of doctors i think there should be a separate profession for sports like sports medicine practitioner or something and if you want to see a doctor that has to be a completely independent person but you you can do the independence without um calling them a different name are you you're doing that to 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 distinguish to, to so dis- you know yeah, so you know to protect where, the good name of doctors a little bit of both because if you think about what, who pays you right yeah d- d- detach the detach them from the clubs i think that and that, the player has to pay them i'd have a no no problem with that or the, the, or the club has to give the player the money to go and go and get a doctor or, or, what, what about or, the union? Certain, or, or when it comes to certain injuries concussion being one for example the protocol I mean, which i think it does it has to have Someone who isn't paid by a club or a union. You know, the, the, the protocols are, well, are so, centrally governed, them. aren't they? Centrally the, governed. The, the, pro- yeah. the protocols are. Yeah, there, there is a consistent standard that you've got to meet like, on your return to play. But protocol. is there not? Is there not someone watching the replays? Are they? Are they paid by the? Are they all paid by clubs? Well, uh, someone's paying them, right? And it might be the league. I don't know who, who it is, uh, but someone's paying paying them. And if it's not the player, they yeah. should be called something else. They should be called I don't know. And if you think about the doctors air quotes there, I'm doing air quotes, who involve, say, the Tour de France. They don't deserve to be called doctors. They should be called something else. Uh, drug administrators. Drug administrators, yeah. Medical, like, licensed drug administrators or well, something. Well, if, if they're proven to do harm, they should be, stri- they should be stripped of their... Well, no, because I have no their problem... Practice, practicing. So, so, ironically, I have no problem with that role existing. I just think it should be called something else. So, you know, if I want to go and get steroided up to the eyeballs, I should be able to buy... A, a medical professional to tell me what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. By the way, I'm not saying any rugby yeah, yeah, players yeah. are doing this. I'm just making the point. I should be able to buy that buy that expertise. But what I shouldn't be able to do is buy the expertise of a quote-unquote doctor because that comes with some ethical restrictions. I, basically, there should be a version of a doctor with no ethical restrictions, but they have to be called that, so it's buyer beware. Hey, listen, to be honest, I, I, because it's so rife, I, I almost want the... Um the olympics to just just let them take it all yeah because at least then it will be done safely under the guidance of oh we, we, Ooh, we but then, um, I, well, then get fa- fa- faster thinks, times bigger throws yeah that's what fa- people want part of me thinks 
if if it was out in the open, there's no way it's going to be more safely. Just, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm not so sure. Just there's a um, Ross Tucker story he was turned on a podcast ages ago on his um, Science of Sport podcast where EPO uh, increased. So EPO is a performance enhancing mm-hmm. drug for cyclists mainly. Um, it'll improve your VO2 max undoubtedly because it creates additional hemoglobin and red blood cells, so you Go can on, carry more oxygen. Um, but it thickens the blood. And yes, there, there was, awful I'm sh- I, there was stories. I'm sure they were having to wake their cyclists so, up. Yeah, because horrible. when they're lying down, the blood's so thick it'll just seep to the lowest <laughs> oh part God. of their body. Yeah, they and have so to go cycling their, in the, at night, don't they? Yeah, they're having to basically wake them up in the middle of the night because oh if they lie down for too long, their thick blood is gonna basically anything that's on the top half of your body is not gonna get any now, oxygen. This, oh my God! Is this why they used to have to freeze Universal Soldiers? <laughs> there, was, there was a there was, what, where did I get the stat from uh, it was something like of, of the top 20 100 metre times in history I think only oh, there's only I think it might only be Usain Bolt yeah. that, that isn't uh, hasn't been found at some point in their career to have taken drugs yeah and the longer that uh, stays it stays the same the best and I, so, I th- yeah. I, so I think nine he, he's got nine of the 11 uh, n- he's got nine of the top 20 fastest times I'm in history you, right the other 11 are all incredible? Are all it? by someone who's been who's yeah tested positive? I, it, there's a list of them where it's all, like every other one is struck off. It's the same with um, if you go back to like the Lance Armstrong years, and undoubtedly for a long period before that in cycling, where you'd have to go down to like the tenth qualified tenth qualified Tour de France finisher to find someone who did has not at any stage of their Does career. Does anyone find stories of drugs in cycling far more interesting than cycling? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the yellow jersey should be. <laughs> yeah. I think the yellow jersey should be turned into the yellow jersey with that that sort of uh, acid uh, acid house <laughs> smiley face <laughs> on the front. There's, there's um, in the I, I read I read a couple of good um, endurance books recently. One called Endurance, one called uh, I can't remember. It's basically about climbing hills in cycling. It gave some amazing um, stories from the early days of the Tour de France, including an, an English cyclist who I think he, he had to get he asked to get put back on his bike when he collapsed. Asked to get put back on his bike, and later, shortly after, collapsed again and died. Because this was in like the 1950s, because he was taking amphetamine, he was taking speed. Oh wow! Uh, to improve his cycling performance, and that—that's when it's like. How much totally... did he get compared to not being on speed? Was it worth it? Uh, I mean, he's dead. Yeah, but how far did he get? He obviously died doing what he loved. <laughs> he died. Uh, another one, non-drugs related, that will always stay with me is in about 1905. I think he won the tour that year. Um, it was a guy who. So there were two stories from the same guy. One of which where he got he had a breakaway. He was so far ahead that he stopped for a lunch and a bottle of wine. And then when the when the peloton comes catches up with him, he jumps back on the bike and finishes the race and, and wins the tour. Um, but he was a guy who they had the the not the clipless um, the old style clips for your shoes to get your feet in yeah. the kind that you have, JB, because you yes, don't yeah. trust the no, I trust hate the, those the, clips. the other clips. Um, that caught on a rock. And cut his toe, so he had an off day. His toe was in the saddle with sweat and mud and everything on it for six oh, no, hours I after that day. His toe goes gangrenous. He has a day off two days later. He manages to get enough painkillers in him to to cycle oh, for those two no. days. And on his day off, he asks the team doctor to cut off his toe. These people, and he cuts off what? his toe and completes the tour. Oh my goodness! A week later, Randall Fines didn't. 
Serrano finds Castlevania's own fingers. Fingers because of frostbite. Jesus Christ, these idiots. I know. <laughs> Those, it's just unbelievable. Isn't it just? But that, that's, I mean, you go, you go back to the, the drugs thing and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued, but the reason I'd be against it was because people would, there are enough people who are, stu- who are stupid enough or brave enough, however you want to define it, who would take the bet. You can take all of this stuff, you're going to win an Olympic gold, but you're going to be dead by the time you're 31. Well, actually, like, people will take that bet. Yeah, 100% that, that, they totally would. Uh, but there's there's another book. I think I might have mentioned it on a podcast a year or so, whatever ago, but Positive by this Australian discus thrower called Werner Reitner. It's a really good read. But basically what he highlights, and again, I don't know about the Olympic situation now, but basically there, if you're from a certain nation, you'll get great drugs administered by medical professionals with masking agents that means you never get tested because the people creating the drugs drugs are ahead of the one step ahead a one step ahead of the people doing the testing uh, if you're from a country that's actually ethically minded like Canada for example um you have to do it on your own to compete but you'll get caught ben johnson got caught uh... turns out he was the only person no 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 there was only one person in that race who wasn't at some point in the career, tested positive for the same thing that Ben jo- uh, Ben Johnson got banned for. Was that Carl Lewis? Carl Lewis well, tested for. Uh, did, he, t- did he test positive later for- later in his career? He did. did. Linford Christie did, uh, yeah. and so did seven of the eight runners. But Ben, and when you read this book, you go, "It's because he was from Canada, and Canada had a had a just wouldn't support it, so the the athletes were left on their own." Whereas this this Australian guy, read the book; it's really interesting. But he. He basically sort of says, actually, it's like Austra- he he tells the story. The Australian Olympic Committee came to him and went, "Do you want to win a medal? Because you're, you're technically the best discus thrower there is. Everyone else is ahead of you only because of drugs. We will give you a doctor. We'll administer it. We'll give you the masking agents. You won't get caught." And he turned it down. What idiot! He started doing it, and then he said, "I can't go through with this." It was go- leading up to the Sydney Olympics, and he just went, "No, I can't do this." And he uh, he, he pulled out. Fair play. I mean, I wouldn't have done that, but fair. <laughs> yeah, you'd have, you'd have taken that bet. So in, well, in, yeah, I mean, look, interesting. Right, but... may, what, what's the saying? Many men lead lives of quiet desperation. To be the best in the world or something, I know it's probably worth it. And it, it's it's an interesting trade-off because a, a lot of people would take it. A lot of people. I, I'm I'm not. I'm, I, a, I'm, a, lot I'm, of am, a lot of amateur rugby boys. Yeah, take it. yeah, and I, I'm not. I have some admiration for them because of the almost the bravery. Not the rugby boys you're talking about. The, no, the, the, not, the, not the guys who want to look yeah, good they're, they're, in, they're, they're in Marbella. Doing, they're just doing it for Tinder in Marbella. Yeah, exactly. The people who are genuinely that committed to being the best in the world, there there is something admirable in that, in the sac- sacrificing effectively everything that, to be the best yeah, in the world. I was, I, I was but, talking to my old rugby coach, right, who back in the day was the only guy I'd ever known. This is in North Wales, right? The only guy I'd ever known who'd even flirted with professional rugby. Hence, he was an absolute hero. And we were talking about drugs. And he goes, I couldn't do it. But I would do it if I was in the top 5%. Because that's when I need... That's when I would have needed the like the like the extra bit. And he's got a point. Like That's when you're going to need so, that extra Yeah, the higher up you bit. go, the, fine, the finer the margins become. And therefore, any advantage. And certainly something that can give you a 5% boost... Which you know, is which is massive, pretty much enormous. Yeah. So anyway. I've got I've got the list of uh, hundred meter competitors in front of me here. Fastest three times ever are Usain Bolt, and then Tyson Gay, 
drugs ban, Johan Blake, drugs ban, Tyson Gay, drugs obviously, Asafa Powell, Johan Blake, Justin Gatlin, Justin Gatlin. Yeah, all of the rest of them. You have to go down to... Well, this list I've got in front of me would be about the 30th guy. Who is the 30th guy? For someone who isn't Usain Bolt. Well, it's not... I've just got the list of the 29. How how far on to get to Johnny May? (laughs) Louis (laughs) Reece Summit. Louis Reece Summit, yeah. Faster. (laughs) Anyway, hopefully Johnny Sexton's back fit. That's where that started. That was an interesting little detour anyway. Yeah, I really hope he is back, back fit soon. Well, that probably wraps up this Six Nations podcast. We have got a, a Premiership one coming your way, a domestic rugby one coming your way in your feed. And as I say, next week we're gonna we're gonna ask State of the Union. Or what did you come up with a different name for it? No, State of the Union's good. State of the yeah. Union. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put the world to, rugby world to rights. And also, we've got a load of emails to answer as well. Oh yeah, loads. Some and great loads points and Would... loads and more strong lemon zero stories. I, I might get strong lemon zero. Should we should we do a strong lemon zero podcast? Uh, two, whole... two weeks after that because there's, there's a there's a follow week next week then a week of rugby then a follow week I think then we've got listen, yeah, we've got loads of stuff to do loads of stuff to do All so right, let, so, let's bring this to an end so uh, we're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter we're uh, patreon.com slash eggchasers he's at Moore. I'm at Cocker uh, thank you very much for listening make sure you hit subscribe in your feed so you get the next podcast and all future podcasts delivered straight to you and you don't miss one we're the only podcast there for you 52 weeks a year every single Monday morning even when we've just had the birth of newborns and uh, <laughs> fair play, Phil, for, for being here for that well, one. Good luck. Good that, that was the reason I was late today, was uh, changing nappies, changing dirty nappies. There you go. That's the commitment. <laughs> uh, let the boys play. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 